episode of the internet's most hated mafia themed geek podcast long coat mafia podcast it is i the one the only reverend godfather aka the martinsburg madman aka this show's frontman and main host and folks this is not just our final bonus anniversary retrospective episode it is also the last episode we are recording and putting putting together on this particular laptop. I say that because after scraping, scrounging for the past two plus months and getting only one tip with special thanks to that person who did so and that we're also very grateful for that tip, we finally have a newish, at least to us, laptop that we can use for the show. Uh, thanks to Paradise Pawn in regards to having a layaway to allow us to get it and everything else. It, the laptop we picked up is a Lenovo. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's a mid-range from a laptop from what I could tell. Granted, it might not be the best laptops on the one of the best laptops on the market, but for us, it's going to last us a couple of years or at least until we're able to at least get decent funds in for a brand new laptop. So we hope this one works very well. Uh, so far, uh, Paradise Point has been good to us. And also special thanks to that one person who gave us uh, that tip, that $50 tip to help us on our way to get this laptop. We'll give her a special shout out in our anniversary episode, which will be dropping in maybe the next day or two. So uh, be that as may, in this bonus anniversary retrospective episode it stems from our third year anniversary it is a skype call that me and big candy did uh, again about five years ago and there was a lot of weirdness with that and everything else we had a wonderful conversation i don't remember exactly what was said and i believe this uh yeah as far as my notes say that this particular episode was from july uh 20 I want to say, what what date did I, 2018, so yes, it was about five years ago, so, uh, and it was an anniversary episode, so it kind of aired roughly this time, so I'll drop it right now, and by saying this, hey George, cue the music, will ya? We'll be right back with more of the Long Coat Mafia podcast. You're listening to the Long Coat Mafia, capiche? Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Long Coat Mafia Podcast, and uh, probably stated in the intro, you'll be hearing me going, huh, what, a lot, is it's because mostly uh, the volume coming through my headphones right now is very soft, even though I can see that Big Candy is coming in just fine, audibly, uh, I say audio-wise, he's coming in fine, just that... For some strange reason, I can't hear him right, and everything's set up just fine. Thank you, Microsoft Updates. Thank you so fucking much. Um, if you could sense the sarcasm, good for you. So, welcome, Big Candy. Welcome. Whoa! 
welcome tidings I bring you from the land of UFO research. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of reading about that. According to your own investigation, it was a uh, a tower, a like a a, yeah. a cell tower or something like that. Yeah, it's just well here it gets weirder. I don't know if you read the update I put up today. But that, I think that's the one I read. It just said it was just a tower with an odd blinking light. Well, there, there's more to it than that. So, <laughs> I'd have to research. I tried researching a little bit, but I couldn't get anywhere with it. But um, basically, I'm coming out of town where I live, and where I was sitting at a, at a light, right above the tree line, you could see a white flashing light. And it was a really, really weird pattern, like three quick blinks. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, boop, boop. And I was like... I've never seen that before. And, and I'm thinking it's like a police helicopter because they watch the highway. Um, route, or, uh, Interstate 81 runs um, right by where that is. So I'm thinking, well, maybe it's a police helicopter. They're watching the highway from afar or something like that. I don't know. And then, like, as I get closer, it looks like it's, it's you know, it's intensifying. And I'm like, what in the world is this? I, yeah, I don't I have no idea what this is. And, um... I lose it in the trees because there's like you go down. Uh, it's a very hilly area uh, for anybody that's familiar with Winchester, Virginia. If you're not, well, then I'm telling you, it's a very hilly area. Um, so you go down, and I'm in in the trees, and you can't really see above the canopy. So um, about, I don't know, five miles. This is how far you can see this thing out. About five miles, I pass the... Um, it's where our wastewater goes. It's the wastewater treatment plant that's on the outside of town, out in the county. And uh, you could kind of see it through the trees there, and it looked like it was up high over over top of there. Well, I go maybe another mile from that, and it reappears in my rearview mirror. And I'm like, holy cow, what is this thing? It's like super bright. It's blinking weird. And then it looks like it moves across the sky and then dips down into the trees and then comes back again. And I'm like, holy cow. You know, meanwhile, you got to realize I'm going about 55. I'm on my way to work. And I'm like trying to do this and like look at that, trying to watch the road, trying to watch this. And I'm like, not, you know, this is like 11 p.m. So... I go on Facebook right before I go in. I'm like, if you saw anything weird on Route 7 uh, around 11 o'clock, let me know, you know, which whatever. And I posted it on my personal page, and I posted it on another page and got about 30 replies. A lot of people were just, like, making alien jokes and Bigfoot jokes and whatever. And some people were asking if it was a drone. And I wasn't sure. And I started thinking, well, maybe it was a drone, somebody flying a drone up there. But it definitely was strange because I'd never seen that before in my life. And so the next night I was like, all right, I'm determined I'm going to find out what this is. So I drive back down that way maybe to get some clues, maybe find out. Maybe if it is a drone, the guy's down there flying it, you know, at dusk. Well, I get to the same stoplight. I look over and I see the flashing light again. I'm like, okay, that's stationary. That means it's it's still in the same spot. So it has to be something stationary. It has to be something over there. So the further I drive, I get to, um, I go past where it is and then head and turn around and come back. Well, I look and it's like, oh, it's a, it's a cell tower. And it's up on a hill. And 
because of the well, the curvature of the Earth, flat uh, flat Earthers, um, because of the curvature of the Earth and the hilly area, where that the top of that hill is, when you're in town, it looks like it's right above the tree line. But I mean, this thing's like on a hill and then another 200 feet in the air. So like, it looks like it's right above the trees. But it wasn't. And this is five miles away from where I was. <clears throat> but coming back, you can see it plain as day. It's up on a hill. It's about 200 feet high. But it had a weird white blinking pattern to it. So I was like, oh, okay. And the reason it looked like it was moving was because as I went down past it and around the, the curves, like the slight curves in the road, it would move in my rearview mirror one way or the other. And then because of the... Um, in the in the in the center lane or in the I guess you call it the island between the two sides of the uh, of Route Seven, there's actually hills. So it looked like it was dipping down below the trees, and like I said, it's pitch black out there at night, so you can't really see all that. So to me, it looked like something moving, but truthfully, it was just stationary. So um, after I figured out what it was at dusk the other day, I said, today, I said, oh, you know, I'm going to go back down there. I want to see this. So I went out that way, and I didn't see the flashing light, and I thought it was weird. So I drove all the way out there and turned around to see the tower, and the light at the top was now just a solid red. Not flashing, just a solid red. So I don't know what kind of indication the flashing white is. I don't know if it's a weather alert. I don't know if it's maybe like, hey, you got to change the bulb or the tower's not working or something, maybe like some kind of an alert. But it was flashing white for like two days. Now it's a solid red again. And you can't even see it from town. You can't see it that, that five miles out. But you could see it playing this day like uh, when it was flashing. It was a lot more intense. So, yeah, I had no idea what it was. Now, Route now, 7 now is like, um, going past the post office by uh, where your parents live? Yeah, Route 7 goes towards Leesburg, which goes to Sterling, which goes to D.C. Yeah, if I, if I'm remembering Winchester correctly, it's like if I went was going through uh, downtown to roughly uh, where your parents lived, I'm not really giving any uh, locations of where they live, but uh, there's that, folks, there's that post office, and Big Candy knows what I'm talking about. It's that stoplight mm-hmm. right before you get to the post office, and if you made that that right and went all the way down past the I-81 intersection you're going to, uh, Martins is going to be on your left, there's a Starbucks uh, I think that's Route, uh, route 7, right? Yeah, going? that's Route 7. Okay. Yep. Uh, I still know my locations. Woohoo! Um, but I will say this, but I yeah, have I got- something similar that happened to me yeah. uh, a couple of months ago. I, I I'm only bringing it up because it relates to your tale, is here in Martinsburg, we have a cement factory. They do bricks, stairs, you know, all things cement. Uh, Besides the local residents that live near the son of a bitch complaining, they have uh, uh, dusk that falls uh, on their vehicles all the time from the plant. Really? You complain, first off, you complain about, you live near the plant, and you're complaining about the dust. Go figure. Uh, But when you... A person like myself that walks everywhere, you know about this building, you know about the lights that are on it, and so forth and so on. 
and coming home from one of the local, or at least one of the major, it was like a Walgreens, CVS, one night I'm coming home from work, and I see not just the light, the standard blinking lights from the cement factory, but what appears to be a new set. I'm like, that's new. I, I don't recognize those lights. And I, I thought the same thing you did. It's like, is it a UFO? It's blinking. It's stationary. What the fuck? And I, But my investigation was, I have to come through here. I have to check this out during the day when I'm, you know, instead of going to Walmart for my grocery, I'll come back up this way and check out that same route. And sure enough, it's a, a newer industrial building in that same direction. And obviously that they have to have the same safety lights for the uh, airplane and so forth and so on. And it was just completely new. So it could be the PG. Uh, what I'm seeing is the uh, we have a, a P&G, Procter & Gamble uh, factory uh, in that direction. So, Or, or at least what appear, that could be the new uh, Procter & Gamble factory that's down that way. And that's what I saw. So... Uh, it's yeah. just a new building I didn't recognize, and it's the newest building in the area, so could be it. So I was trying to do some research into like what what it was, or you know about towers and why would a light be blinking or whatever. And the only thing I can do is like they can adjust the intensity according to weather conditions. So I'm thinking it may have been something like that, or. Um, I do know that any structure, it said any structure over 200 feet tall uh, is required by the FAA to have that light on it. So, you know, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what it indicated, but, you know, I've traveled Route 7, and now I travel it all the time because that's where I work is in Berryville, which is on Route 7. Um, But I've traveled that road for years, and I've never seen that light. I've never seen it do that. And that's the first time, first time I've ever seen any light like that at all going that way. And so you got to, you know, that's why it wigged me out. And of course, I get on there and I say something strange. I never said UFO. I never said Bigfoot in a spaceship. I never said anything like that. I said something strange. And of course, everybody's like, you know, you're on drugs. It's UFO. You think it's a UFO? I'm like, no, I don't think it's UFO. I just didn't know what it was. You know? <laughs> yeah, there, there is always that difference. You know, it, even though. Um, basically, uh, the standard definition of UFO is something that is identified, flying, and a possible object. It doesn't mean aliens. It just means I saw something in the sky. I don't know what it is right now. It is, by all intensive purposes, a UFO. Well, I didn't say purpose because uh, the reason I didn't want to lead people on. Right. I didn't it, want to it's say just that aspect of that's uh, uh, where most people think you say I saw a UFO. They think it, little yeah. green men in spaceships. Yet, well, that's what I'm saying. I didn't. I said something strange for a reason. I didn't say. I made sure not to say it that way. I, right. I said, "Did anyone see?" I just, I said, "I just want confirmation that somebody saw the same thing I did." That was a that was a check not only for me but for them too, so that I, I wasn't basically going, "Yeah, there was a UFO and it was blinking in the sky," you know, because you'd have somebody going on there, "Yeah," and I saw it fly down and hit somebody's house and it abducted a cow. You know, I, you don't want to lead people on with a weird story because they'll just compile it and then it becomes fake 
Yeah. Uh, basically, many years ago, when uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind that came out. Oh. It was the Milovich mockumentary. It was yeah. um, Fourth Kind or whatever it was. Yeah, the Fourth Kind. And coming out of this uh, thing, a couple of people were mentioning about, you know, UFOs and this, that, and the other thing. I said, listen, and at that point, it, it was like a perfect example. A plane was flying over. It, it, this was at night. I said, see that plane up there? And they looked up and they went, yeah, you know that's a plane. I know it's a plane, but if since it's flying close to the ground, we can hear it. Therefore, we know it's a plane. It was if it's flying further up and we can't hear the engine. Therefore, we don't know what it is. So the basic classification of a UFO is a unidentified flying object until it can be yeah. identified as a plane, as a kite, as a drone. It is and can be classified that just that our brains and with popular culture, we're going straight to little green men in flying saucers, and yeah. that's that's why a lot of skeptics like you and my, you and I have to check. We have to at least run it through some sort of process before we say I saw something I don't know, and therefore I can't explain it. Therefore, yeah. i.e., UFO. And my best way, you know, I just, I wanted to test it, like, you know, I guess semi-scientifically. I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could repeat the same uh, experiment over and see if it proved the same results. And it did. Right. And that, that's how I figured out that it wasn't anything abnormal. It was just something I had never seen before. And so, you know, that that's how I would, I, I would go about anything. Because, you know, you, you know more than anybody that I would be absolutely fucking beside myself if I actually saw something, you know? Right. And I couldn't actually explain it, and I couldn't repeat it, and I couldn't, you know, uh, you know, prove it that it was anything else. You know, I, w- I would say something. Right. But, you know, this is something that could have been tested, it could have been repeated, you know, it could have been, you know, analyzed, so if I get a chance to do so, I like to do so, rather than, you know, be one of those people that are just running around saying, oh, it was aliens. Like, I had a buddy, Stuart, when we were growing up, and every time a plane would, like you said, would fly overhead, he would automatically go there. Oh my God! It's a, it's a, it's a, it's alien. It's it's a, it's 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 a UFO. It's like Stuart. You can see that it has like warning lights and a friggin' like you know propeller. Yeah, it's a UFO propeller. Yeah, that's like, why uh, a lot of folks. I want to kind of bring their name, their YouTubers. Uh, at least the one I know of offhand. He is very logical in his thought. And if you bring him, okay, I'm getting this. It, it seems like a second two and three of uh, uh, a five second conversation uh, it's leading me to if you went up to him and said this is what it's leading me to believe I want to be a skeptic to this I don't want to see something more but this is what I'm being told he'll be the first to go okay uh, let's see if we could what he tends to do is break down the flat earth stuff and some of the moon landing stuff and he brings up he does a little bit of research and I'm like no this is second two and three of a you know of a five second conversation here's you know second one here is second four and five this is why you're being misled and he 
Um, the YouTuber is Greater Sapien, and he does yeah. a lot. He tries to be very educational and very scientific. He's uh, very he's self-taught. He didn't go to uh, a college to be a scientist or a physicist. He went and was like, I need to explain this. I need to learn this in order order to explain it to why uh, people or you know why it's wrong so he became very self-taught in regards to the math and the science yeah. and as to why that is the best way to do it. and he'd probably applaud you to going that far saying yeah you, the best way to do it is to test it and a lot of people would even I would say bravo for at least trying to explain it scientifically and being an open an open-minded skeptic so to speak well and- and the other thing is it kind of became like a social experiment like on my part just a little bit because in a way like you could see the people who automatically wanted to jump into the it's a UFO category and you automatically saw the people who wanted to just downplay everything that you were saying and be like oh it's bullshit and it was like it, it was neither a UFO or bullshit it just happened to be something that I wasn't familiar with so it was interesting seeing that spectrum of people like the ones who either thought I was crazy or the ones who were ready to like board the mothership it was really funny um, and like <laughs> I, like along with that it was it was nice for me to have an exercise in like actual investigation like you know as far as like Coming to a coming to a conclusion, and then you know being able to to draw that conclusion publicly, you know, it, it was it was it was fulfilling, right? Even though you know what it wasn't what everyone expected me to say, and I think a lot of people expected me to be like, "Yeah, dude, it was a UFO." Oh my god, you know, I have seen things that I can't explain that you know I cannot test or prove otherwise but luckily this was one that I could so it was kind of neat and I've I would go on record I've seen stuff that I cannot explain Uh, some of it would be the classic I won't say the classic UFO but uh, the folks out there if you look up the Jupiter uh, Jupiter, Florida incidents or uh, the town or say the city in Florida is actually called Jupiter Um, and if you look at those UFO photographs I've seen something very, when I was living in Florida something very similar to that and when I was young I seen something yeah my parents really didn't doubt I saw something because I was looking out the window I was maybe about five six at the time when I saw it they encouraged me that I saw something I did not know but they didn't fully uh, comment say that yeah you saw a uh, a flying saucer these they acknowledged that I saw a you uh, something I could not understand in essence, a UFO, an identified flying saucer. But what I saw as a child was this large disc object slowly moving over the house. So, and granted, I was young and living in an urban environment, it could have been 
maybe a hell. It could have been something that uh, that was man-made. I just didn't know what it was. Being six six years old at the time, uh, looking yeah. out out the window at midnight, you know, um, just didn't know if you could understand that. Yeah. Uh, but in Florida, I've seen a lot of stuff that um, either was a natural phenomena I just couldn't explain, or something that. Even that UFO incident I seen in Florida, it could have been something that was projected onto the clouds or the trees from someplace else. uh, Because a lot of for those who live in Florida, they can understand that uh, the weather changes every five minutes. Oh, it's raining. Give it about three minutes; it'll clear up. But it could have been something projected on a cloud because it was at night and it's hard to really tell if there's clouds in the sky during pitch black unless it's covering up stars but yeah it, it, at least at the moment I've probably seen ball lightning and stuff that I cannot explain that I can yeah. chalk up well I saw a UFO it was, looked like a flying saucer could it be explained Possibly, I'm open up to, you know, explanations of the possibility of it being something else, i.e. a projection, uh, so yeah. I meeting someone pulling my chain, or so forth and so on, you know, who knows, but that's the whole aspect of things, and that's one of the things uh, I don't want to move on, but we... We will be at a, the Eastern Panhandle Paracon uh, in two weeks. So, at not only promoting the show, but getting interviews and uh, video footage and photos while there. I don't know as how far we can go as to recording certain things, but yeah. uh, this is not a Matt Burn. Um, Yes, I'm using air quotes for a radio-esque uh, recording, but this is not a Matt Burns event, whereas I could easily right. plop my computer down, plop a mic down, and just start recording. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we'll get information before we do anything. Right, right. With, uh, yeah, yeah it, an event like this, we'll have to ask and get confirmation. It's With Matt, he'll just go probably say, I can, I'm not putting words in Matt's event in Matt's mouth, but he most most of the time, it's okay, just ask the people doing the, the panel, and that's what we do. Right. So, uh, but... Um, yeah. Well, going back to, I don't mean to keep, keep on about it, but going back to the, you know, sightings thing, um, have you, have you seen anything as an adult? Yeah. Or have you... Okay. I like, was, um... Uh, two times again. Uh, when I was uh, maybe closer to twenty at the time, this is starting back earlier on. Uh, I was taking my father to work. Uh, we only had one vehicle at the time, so and I so we shared the vehicle. I took him to work, then used the, the vehicle for uh, uh, community college and taking my mom on to various doctors during the day if needed. And both of us saw a, since this was roughly 5, 6 in the morning, right roughly when dawn's happening, and both of us noticed a light in the distance, close to the horizon. And it was a fair amount 
above the tree line. I'm talking, it could have been, uh, from where we were at, it looked like it was several inches above the tree line, which could have meant half a mile to a mile above the tree line. Uh, Actual distance between the two, but from our perspective, it looked like maybe about three or four inches above the tree line. And both of us, even you at that time, if you were there in the vehicle, would have thought it would it was a, either a plane, a chopper, uh, something along those lines. It was some sort of aircraft. It was more than likely a plane. We, pu- I pu- right. we pull into the parking lot. I park. Both of us get out of the vehicle. My father was in the driver's seat. I was in the passenger's seat. By the time I closed the door, went around the front of the vehicle, went to the driver's side door and looked at that same location of where that plane, what I thought was a plane was, it was gone. Mm. I mean, this was a span of three seconds. It shouldn't have moved maybe from where it was to maybe what, again, from our perspective, three feet in the sky, and it was just plain gone. Not dimmer, gone, gone. And Mm. I was like, I told my dad, it's like, where did the plane go? He was like, and that's when he gave the skyline a, a quick glance because I know that meant he saw it before. He went, right. yeah, where to go? He literally went, where? Yeah, where to go? It should still be up there, which means he probably saw it through the windshield or you know at some point. Now, fast forward to earlier this century, uh, I was taking. You remember Steve, right? Yeah, yeah. I was taking him home one night, and he lived, I think, uh, exit three fifteen. Sorry. And getting off that exit, I I turn. I didn't really turn to him. I made the passing remark. I think the flyboy is uh, a little low, and he was like, "Yeah, that guy is." That, because I was looking, actually lowering my head to look at the the, the lights in the sky. And that's when he looked, and he's like, yeah, that plane's a little little low. Then we get off the ramp, and we go down that route, that same road, and we're like both of us were like, where'd he go? And this again, this was a span of like five seconds, not even. Mm. So, yeah. Oh. But since then, there... Um, because I, again, I tend to walk a lot, and especially at yeah, night. Yeah, that's why I asked because you walk a lot at night. So I wonder yeah, if you see there, there is. I tend to look up. Uh, yeah, I've noticed a few things that move a little differently, but because of me walking, it's kind of hard to place whether or not they're they're planes or not. Um, there are uh, a few things. A few very bright stars in the sky that I cannot explain. Uh, they could be planets. They could be actual natural satellites, uh, yeah. meaning communication satellites, uh, or so forth and so on. I cannot tell. Uh, from my perspective, they are in the western sky, at least the bright one I've been noticing as of late is very bright. It could be I'm going to say this. It could be a planet, and meaning the planet could be like Jupiter. It could be Saturn, uh, something that you could that's bright enough at t- certain times of the year that you could 
it's very bright in the sky, but to get more detail, you need a very decent telescope. Yeah. Commercially available telescope. Well, you know but, what uh, an available tool for somebody like, like us would be? And I, I used to have it. I don't have it anymore. But um, there was an app that they used to have for Apple that was called Skywatch, I believe. Um, and you could literally, like, once it loaded up, you could point it at the sky in real time, it would show you like an overlay, almost like like uh, you know wherever you point your, your your phone, it does an overlay of exactly what is above you, and like right down to even communication satellites, um, the international space station. Like if you'd point it at the ground, it would show you what's in the sky above, you know where the other side of the Earth. Which was pretty cool. Um, like you'd have to calibrate it every once in a while, but other than that, it was a really neat app. I, I'd like to get that back um, because it, it's it's kind of cool. And there was a feature. I don't know if they still have a feature on your iPhone. Uh, I don't know if Android has it, but iPhone. You used to say who's flying overhead to Siri, and Siri would tell you uh, if it was a flight. Uh, like a like a U.S. Airways flight or something like that, she would tell you like U.S. Airways flight one seventeen, like right over your head. You know, um, it, it would tell you exactly what you're looking at, so you're not mistaking things. Uh, it would tell you where it's going to. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, at nighttime, you, you know, not. At night, it's really funny because your eyes are going to automatically go to anything in the sky, and like especially anything that's moving and and having light, and you're just going to be like, "What's that?" You know, you're just more curious at night than you are during the day. In the daytime, you very very rarely look up, so like your eyes are drawn to things at night. And you know, the the one experience I had that I can't explain was not something that was like a, I don't know what that is. I knew exactly what it was, but I can't explain it if this makes any sense. Um, and it's the one that kind of like really did it for me as far as like, okay, there's something going on. Um, have I, I think I've told you the story, right? Which one? The one about, um, I was going to, we were working at target in the morning. And we came outside, and uh, anyway, I'll go ahead and tell it. I mean, just just for just in case uh, you didn't tell it before, and to kind of fill in our listeners. Yeah. So, uh, my wife and I, before we got married, uh, we met at Target. We were working at Target at the time, and this was about two thousand and I want to say seven or eight, six uh, between six, seven, and eight. Oh, no, this was too, definitely 2009 when this happened because we were okay. living at my parents' house. We were living at my parents' house uh, right before we got married. Yeah. So, um, it was, I was leaving in, in the morning. We used to work in the back room and we'd have to leave early in the morning because, you know, any store that has a back room, like, you know, uh, you get the product out on the floor before the customers come to the store. So we were there to do that and stock the shelves and get the stuff off the shelves and unload the truck and all that fun stuff. So <clears throat> she's inside getting either getting coffee or putting her shoes on or something. And I went out to start the car and 
I noticed because from my parents' backyard where the post office is, you can see like sometimes in the in uh, when the light um, there's a stoplight right there uh, over top of where the there's some uh, row houses. You can see the light change in the sky, like from the from the light shining around the tops of the uh, row houses. It'll be red or green, and <clears throat> I've noticed it before, especially on like cloudy days or foggy days. You can see the red and the green. Um, and I didn't think anything of it at first, but then it caught my eye again. I looked, and over top of the row houses, really coming in real slow was a white object it wasn't flashing it wasn't pulsing it was just a white luminescent object and i'm looking at it i'm looking at it and it looks like a plane but it doesn't and it's kind of a triangle and i'm like huh and it's getting closer and closer and closer as it gets like right above the row houses and right before it gets to me. And I mean, it's going slow, not slow enough that like, you know, it's going as slow as like, you know, a car driving down the road, maybe going 40, you know what I mean? Yeah. And right as soon as it gets kind of near me, it just with in the blink of an eye, like, like almost to the point you didn't even notice it happened. It just turned into Five birds flapping their arms in exact unison in a V pattern. And the birds were like luminescent, just like the object. Like it looked like somebody was shining a spotlight on them. Now, it's not uncommon for birds to fly at night. Um, In fact, uh, geese uh, fly at night all the time. Um, so, but they weren't making any noise. Like, you know, when geese fly overhead, you hear the ho, ho, ho. It was silent. And they were like, they were illuminated. Like somebody was shining a light on them. And I just watched them fly right over top of my, like the house we were living in. And off to the north, like, you know, toward, there's a bowling alley. That's what I always call it, north side, because north side is where the bowling alley is. But they fly off to the north, uh, off to the north side. And disappear over uh, the houses uh, on the next street over. And I was just dumbfounded. I've never seen anything like that before, and I've never seen anything like that since. Like, literally within the blink of an eye, a solid object turned into five illuminated birds flapping their wings in unison. And everybody's like, well, you were tired or you were, uh, you're drinking too much caffeine or you were, uh, you're on drugs. And it's like, no, I don't do drugs. I don't smoke anything. And at the time I wasn't drinking cause I was living at my parents' house. And besides that, I really didn't drink that much anyway. And like, you know, yeah, granted it was the morning, but I'd been up for like a couple hours. I took my shower and ate breakfast. So I wasn't like groggy or anything. I know what I saw. And I can't explain it. To this day, I I don't know what I was looking at. Like, I don't know what, like, why would a solid object want to appear as birds? Like, did it notice me noticing it, whatever it was? You know, like, it would have had to have noticed me standing there in my backyard. You know, the only the only light back there at three o'clock in the morning is uh, like a porch light. So right. I don't know how how it saw me, but 
if it did, like it was like, uh oh, better look like birds, <laughs> and then flew over the house. And I was just, I, you know, it, it, it that's weird to me. You know, it, whatever it was, it, it didn't want to be seen as whatever it was. It definitely did not want me to catch it. Like I said before, like you know, I, I even thought about. It. I was like, well, could a flock of geese look like a solid object? And I was like, yeah, I guess they could if you're looking at them like dead on. But like usually, whenever you see them, they're not flapping their wings all in unison. You know, they're each one has <clears throat> individual motor skills and is flapping their wings to fly or sailing. You know, however how they do. Um, but it's always. You know, it's always a different way. It's always like uh, one, one is flapping in, in a different way than the other. I mean, these were in perfect synchronized flaps. If I remember anything, I remember that. They were perfectly synchronized flaps. It was almost like somebody said, uh, copy, drag, 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 drag. <laughs> you know, like here's an image of a bird instead of whatever you think you're looking at. Right. Uh, copied five times. Probably enough to, like, well, if it was something, I'm going to say, spec. I'm just speculating here. It was probably, let's yeah. switch to something that they might recognize. It's, you're saying this is maybe about three or four o'clock in the morning, at least. Yeah. And if they are monitoring, if it this was a alien life form or an object controlled by an alien life form or species that well it's almost morning their time a lot of people that are getting in from this time are either tired or these strange beings have a tendency to drink fermented fruit on a nightly basis let's you know Let's try to disguise us, and when they wake up in the morning, they'll just chalk up what they seem to something alcohol-related. So, yeah. Not to mention He's they probably, are about twenty no minutes away from for- Martinsburg, so it drugs can be involved. <laughs> It's like, there's no reason for him to be up at this time other than he's inebriated. Let's right. just look like birds, you know? <laughs> like, because they, they don't understand the pattern of, like, working early in the morning or working overnight, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. That is, I, like, I, I thought at the time, I was I told my wife, and she was like, what? And I said, you just missed it. Like, literally, she came out right after it happened. And I was like... I don't know what I just saw. Like I like it bug it's bugged me for years. Like that's why I still I still talk about it. It has it shook me literally to the core. Like the fact that like something possibly, I don't know, not of this earth noticed me noticing it and it had to change its perception for me. Right. You know, that's crazy. If that's true, that's crazy. Like, it didn't want to be seen. Which, I don't know if that makes sense or not. You know what I mean? Because you hear about you hear about people like always with the abductions or you hear about people with the you know, well I saw it and then I blacked out and I woke up and or you know it, 
it's zoomed off or something you know like it's always like it, it has been seen or it has like you know it, it did something to the people well it didn't do anything to me like I, I i saw it go away and then we went to work and it was it was almost like it's like oh, pay no mind pay no mind just bird it's something the, the active if you want to call it active camo something like secure yeah. steam six i think he is secure team would yeah. say yeah it's active camo or something like that but and it also leads me it also leads me to believe that like it couldn't divert from its current position it had to be wherever it was for whatever reason right like in other words like you know if it, if it just didn't want to be seen how come it didn't just zoom away or how come it didn't just like you know stop and fly straight up or something you know something that would sound outlandish enough that like oh yeah you didn't see me or you know if 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 it knew that i was there why didn't it just stop you know and you know do some be birds somewhere else and like make me think oh it's just birds i saw no it 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 had to continue flying exactly where it did overhead like literally like Maybe maybe fifty feet above the treetop over at my parents' house. Right. Like I mean, this thing to the ground to actually make out at least some sort of detail or something yeah. close to it. Whatever it was was about two hundred feet over my head, so I literally could see. I could see every detail of it up until the point it disappeared, and I was just like, "What?" You know. <laughs> So that's the one that they got me. That's the one that changed me. That's the one that made me believe. And that's the one that, like, it sticks with me to this day. Why did it not just go away? It, it's almost like it couldn't divert from whatever it was doing. And it wanted me to not believe what it was. Right. So that's, it's just, it's strange all over. Probably the conversation inside was. Oh, dude's an American. They're stupid. Change to birds. <laughs> just, yeah, just be birds. Just be birds. Captain, Captain, what will we do? Ah, <laughs> oh, just change to birds. Just change to birds. Um, to, uh, as much as I would like to talk about UFOs all night long, but uh, we must move I on. We I must continue the journey. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, we'll get back into something a little bit different type of geeky, but uh, for all of you out there uh, that are have been following us, uh, this week is our third anniversary week. Uh, as of Thursday, the 11th, no, sorry, that's Wednesday. Thursday the 12th, we will be officially three years old. Three years, the show would be three years old. How about them apples, Big Candy? Them, I I like them apples. (laughs) That's that's, crazy. Can you believe three years? And you gotta think, like... At least, what, <clears throat> two of those years now, you've been putting out content solidly every week. Yeah, close, uh, about a year and, by the end of this month, a year and four months, constant without using a retro episode. So, yeah. Uh, as much as some of you out there like our the retro episodes, uh, 
I don't like to use them because I personally think not that there is anything wrong with them. Uh, just that I think personally, in my mind, it's a cop out, uh, and I like to save them when no everything else has failed uh, in regards to that. So. That's the ma- the major reason why I don't like using them. It- it's well, I don't want to use X, I don't want to use Y, uh, but I don't want to skip a week. So uh, the retro episode, a retro episode might rear its ugly head maybe sometime during the holidays, uh, due to the fact it's usually the holidays. So and I feel like, eh, you know what? Screw it, retro episode. But for the most part, I want to see. I want to see how long we can continue with original content and constant coverage of stuff. Even though the last few weeks, uh, it's kind of stuff coming in is very quiet, and I don't want to do the, a lot of the social commentary stuff uh, that's been yeah. coming out. So there's that, and one of the good. Uh, speaking of three years, uh, I've I put it on our our social media stuff, our Twitter, uh, our, I think on our Facebook. I don't think I announced it on our Facebook page yet. But for those of you listening right now, we did might have seen uh, our video that we put on YouTube and on our Facebook. So therefore, I might have actually announced it on Facebook. Uh, we did get our press pass for Otacon this year two years in a row <laughs> so part of me is like yes they, they if they looked at the fact that we last year I did the kind of the review and uh, the context it wasn't just a, a simple review episode of the show or I should say of their convention but it it was a content I I most conventions don't like if you're going to be a member of the press doing a just a simple review, and I had to do the the whole contest context uh, of everything in regards to their show because of our previous history with Otacon uh, and our previous thoughts on Otacon. So this year with that and the follow up to an event, something that happened at Otacon. Saturday or Sunday uh, was our the next episode after that. I guess they looked at it, think thought that we did a decent coverage, or at least I did good enough co- coverage that warranted a a second press pass for at least a press pass for this year. And <laughs> me personally, I wasn't putting too high of a hopes to it, but yeah. If they said no, sorry, you're not approved this year, I would have been I would have been more than happy. My views from last year would not have changed, but I would have been completely satisfied. You know, it would have been like, okay, we didn't really uh, they weren't satisfied with the coverage from last year, so therefore I can understand it. I'm not going to be mad. Uh, but part of me was like I mean, hats off to them. Hats off to them because I mean, they're giving you a chance that like no other con is giving you at all. So right. I mean, that's, you know, well, aside from Matt Burns, you know. You know right. But, uh, I should, but that's again, really not knocking Matt Burns at all and the four state shows. Uh, just that Otacon is oh, up. He, 
genre altogether, and they're on a different level. So, well, and Matt Burns, Matt Burns is in the friend category. All right. you know, to be honest, you know, so like, <laughs> and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's coverage is coverage. It doesn't matter. But like, yeah, the fact that Otacon is is letting you do that again. So, do you have like is is you have an agenda? Is there people that you want to meet? Is there people that you want to interview? Yeah, this year uh, I'm planning on. Uh, last year I tried to do a little bit, get some video. Uh, I didn't really know my place, or because it, a convention like, or say the size of Otacon, uh there's a different learning curve than, or a different set of procedures that what Matt Burns might do. Uh, so. I went into that not really knowing what to expect. Uh, whereas I'm, I'm giving props to Randy from Geek World Order that he's done the major shows before, so he immediately would know what to do, what to, you know, what rules are in play. Where I, as I know what rules are in play with a, a four-state show, just not with a, a show the size of Otacon. So this year, yes, I. I have a better plan of attack in a good way. And, and a definitely, Otacon, folks at Otacon, if you're listening, uh, good way. Um, this year I plan to do some video, uh, kind of do what I normally would do at a Matt Burns event, on just try to scale it up a little bit because I want to at least do a walk through the convention center, kind of like right. a walking tour a little bit. And it'll be split up into two parts, uh, like a walking tour of the everything up until the dealer floor. That I, if I have access to it at that point, uh, I know last year they did a a preview tour of the dealer and industry floor. Uh, I'll so that will be a different video for everybody out there. And I'll be doing since they have a a game. Four, uh, meaning last year they had a uh, one of the other convention floors rented out where they was just set up for those folks who wanted to play Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. They had uh, PCs set up for PC gaming. They had several consoles up, and they had uh, arcade games from Japan. The weird one oh. from Japan. So that's awesome. Uh, I want um, when I first went to Otacon in Baltimore. I you know it, the crowd was it, everything was kind of very hard to get into. This year, last year, it was very easy to get into a lot of the floor, uh, the, like the dealer and industry floor. It, not because I was pressed, just because they were in a newer location, and uh, especially the the gaming aspect of Otacon from in regards to Japan and that is going to be a probably a third video uh, because I want to keep it separate from everything else so there there's three videos I'll be sharing f- with all of you possibly a fourth uh, that would be a uh, a, a music was video that, was that a, was that like a was that a mafia joke what do you mean he said pos- he said possibly could be. We are a mafia themed pos- <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's endless possibilities. Possibility. It's been a long time since we did a uh, one of those types of jokes around here. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. I just caught you said possibly. I was like, oh, possibly. 
if, uh, anyway. if I did say possibly, uh, I'll own up to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I also have two interviews I have to put in for. Um, oh, okay. One is they're going to have a YouTuber that goes by the name of Mr. Creepypasta. He does a lot of uh, oh. the Creepypasta readings on YouTube. So I oh. think it'll be an interesting video, or at least an interesting interview, and something I could, some, at least somebody I could talk to about something and have decent questions. Yeah. And the other person is Johnny Young Bosch. I hope I'm pronouncing his la- uh, his middle and last name correctly. Uh, for those of you out there, uh, Johnny was the, I think, the second Black Power Ranger. And he, in essence, he was the power, uh, Black Power Ranger in the original Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movie. And he also voices uh, Vash the Stampede in Trigon, the anime Trigon. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> he also, believe it or not, voiced Kanishua. Uh, no, wait. Uh, oh, shit. I forgot his name. He voiced a character in the original uh, Akira. So, Which one? the English dub of that. So, it this could be... Plus, he's done a lot of other stuff, other anime wait, and video game Ada? voice work. So, it... Since I'm in essence doing? Matt Burns' Power Ranger guy. <laughs> yeah. No um, shit. <laughs> fuck you it. You know, you go with the Power Ranger. You should have been working on an autograph collection by now. Right. If I had the funds, right? <laughs> well, uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, either way, he's going to be the second in- interview I put in for. Even if both interviews are about <laughs> 15, 20 minutes, that's still something for the sh- all of you out there. That's two episodes. For all of you out there. And I'll be working on a third episode as well for that. So between the Paracon, this con, uh, the Punk Rock Flea Market in September, we, and Matt Burns' October show, we will have a shit ton of stuff for all, all of you out there. So the next four months are going to be relatively easy months. If there's nothing news, really newsworthy, uh, we could wing a hostful. <laughs> we'll pull a hostful out of our asses somehow, uh, or at least I will. Uh, plus interviews or anything else that I could gather up, I'll I'll knock on Earl's door and bug the hell out of him. Earl, I need another interview. Earl, <laughs> dying here. Uh, but it, it's something that. With a lot of the interviews that we will get, and hopefully, depending on how much we could record at Paracon and the Matt Burns events, uh, we'll probably have a lot of stuff for everyone out there, especially through video, Otacon, and I'm going to have to keep my hair short just to prevent me from pulling the son of a bitch out. So, <laughs> and like I was about to say, there might be a potential music video again audio podcast, and I'm using air quotes, uh, <laughs> uh, a potential music video coming from Otacon. Uh, uh, let me just say, thank you, Dobbs. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, my yeah. So this uh, it's going to be a combination. I already have a, a visual preview of what it's going to look like, but uh, it, it 
I'll save it as a surprise. There might be actually four videos from, stemming from Otacon uh, coming to light, so <laughs> uh, I, I might like, get I some like hate. To to, I like to go to Otacon for one reason and one reason only. Which is? I would like I would like to paint my cheeks right rosy red and get like some kind of like a fake prosthetic of that looks like maybe like plastic or something that looks like blood shooting out my nose and then just pose beside cute like Sailor Moon uh, cosplayers and be like (laughs) (laughs) just do it to random anime people they'll get the joke maybe like a headband with like you know the little springs on it like you know and then have like the little sweat beads shooting off be like (laughs) (laughs) you know that'd be great yeah that would be fun all the pictures of me just (laughs) (laughs) who would have thought three years and that would lead me to the the next question Uh, even though we kind of had this conversation like a week or two ago oh maybe about two weeks ago or so um how do you think, at least from, I'm, I'm saying this because I know you're not a, a yes man when it, com- when it comes to a lot of the shit that I do and everything else. Because this is not, e- this is not, e- legitimately not easy. Uh, <laughs> uh, how do you think I am doing? Be honest. Like, if I'm being completely honest and, like, I want you to don't gloss this over. Like, I'm just saying this because I'm, like, I'm on the show and I'm, like, your buddy. But you're doing a damn fucking great job. The only thing I would say is I wish you had a bigger audience. I know you do, too. Yeah. But the, the one thing that kills me that you do that, like, you do very well is that you stay engaged. Like, you always have content. You always provide a different show. Like, it's never the same fucking show. It's a different show, a different feel, and, like, but it's a good thing. Like, you're always keeping people on their toes. Like, from your interviews with people (coughs) to even when I, you know, uh, Skype in, we just shoot the shit for a couple hours. But then it's what you do in between there. It's the show promotion on Facebook. It's the live video that you'll show. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm doing something different. Um, you know, you're always posting stuff up to the page that's really funny or interesting. You're always posting up links for stuff. You keep on top of everything. And it's 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 that what separates you from a lot of people because a lot of people don't do like doing all the extra work you do as much work if not more than your average youtuber that has like 200,000 300,000k like you're you're engaging on that level but i don't know why you don't have like a bigger audience You, you should you should have a, a much larger audience than you do. I just don't know why the reach isn't there. That's that's always the hard part. Uh, yeah. that, that's the that's the part of the equation that somehow I'm not grasping. And I want to thank you know without aspects of you know <laughs> you keeping me in check a little bit, Lloyd. Uh, I think me and Lloyd had this conversation before. Is that when the Folks like us, meaning uh, at our level, we don't surround ourselves with you know people to stroke our ego that someone no. like a George Lucas. 
Dukakis or you know a you know, or a Donald Trump would have a, that where everything is yeah do it go ahead just keep talking yeah yeah yeah, yeah ch- you know uh, use Jar Jar Binks that's a good idea uh, <laughs> it's you mean with, Seth Lord Jar Jar Binks right uh, but <laughs> the the thing is, but the thing is with you and Lloyd it's if I come up to you guys with an idea, I'm thinking, especially with you and the show, it's like, I'm thinking about doing this. And if it's really a dumb idea, and either you or Lloyd will go, you know, that's fucking stupid. Why the fuck would you do something like that? But if it's if it's a decent idea, you, you're like, all right, that is a decent work. It's not going to work the way you think it is. Try tweaking it like this. And... Yeah. Yeah, there's been times I I just plain did shit without consulting anybody, and like the whole Paracon thing, and just me just sending out an email. Can I cover it? I'm willing to pay. And all of a sudden, I have a table and everything else. I'm like, how the fuck did I do that shit? <laughs> and that's fantastic. And that's just you know just learning a little bit from you, learning a little bit from Lloyd, and. Sharing, you know, different ideas, and I want to put some credit towards, like, even though they came a little bit later, um, like Podcast Discovery Center and uh, folks in oh, those yeah. Facebook groups that, you know, sharing the ideas and just having someone outside the box, you know, giving ideas, and that way it's outside the circle, if you can understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and sharing ideas with them it's like oddly when I shared that that bed sheet idea with you I was like use a fitted bed sheet on a six foot uh, fold out table I'm like motherfucker Mother-. and I had to share he was like why didn't you tell me this shit <laughs> yeah no shit I didn't that's that's fantastic I didn't even think of that. I was like wow okay yeah and I got that off of somebody who's like here's a life somebody else on Facebook and it's like here's a life hack you didn't know I'm like what the fuck what and I yelled at you it's like why didn't you tell me this shit and you were like well, that, is- oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, that never dawned on me so yeah it's like I gotta search either uh uh Goodwill or Family Dollar for like yeah. something that's two or three bucks, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, bring start bringing that to conventions, you know, to set up instead of spending three bucks every couple of months, you know, just have something. Okay, I'll just toss this in the laundry, bring this to the laundry mat, and just wash it with everything else. So yeah, <laughs> probably but get no, something I like-, like Star Wars something on it. <laughs> but like as far as it goes like with with what you're doing and everything like I said if you were doing a piss poor job or you like you weren't living up to the expectations I thought you should be doing trust me I'd tell you but like you're exceeding that like you're you're going I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass I'm not just like here to inflate your ego like you're doing a great job like as podcasts go, like, I don't see people putting in half the work that you do. Like, some people just have a podcast and, like, they don't really think much of it. They just broadcast. I got buddies that do the same thing that, like, they just do it every week. And honestly, I know that they have, like, kind of an audience, but, like, more or less, like, it's just really them just hearing each other talk. I mean, honestly, like, 
don't have quite the audience that you do, but they're also not putting in any of the work. They're just kind of doing it and throwing it out. I got to get a drink here soon. They're just doing it and throwing it out there into the world and um, expecting it to like you know catch on. And that's where it's like you're you're working really hard, but you're not getting results. And I, I it really really bothers me. I don't understand why. Like you should have, I, and I'm not bullshitting. Like right now, you should have between fifty and seventy five k every week. And that, that's like, the the odd surprising thing is like our our Podbean followers as of tonight is about one thousand. 85, give or take one right. or two. And we're getting between 20 to 40 a week. And it should be a hell of a lot bigger than that. Literally. It should be. And For being three years. Yeah. And, and like I said, I don't think it's anything that you're doing or not doing. Because all you're doing is providing great content and keeping the fans engaged. What I think it might be is just there's something staggering your reach. And I don't know what it is. Because, like, okay, you know that I watch uh, gaming videos sometimes. Right. So I was watching the other night. um, Who was it? It was One Shot Girl. I, you know, because I, I either watch that or like there's very few that I watch, but you know, I intently watch the ones that I do. Um, and she was playing, of course, Fortnite, and she had um, some. Like, I think she was just doing rando, rando duels, like where she just got on with like whoever happened to pop on. Well, the guy that happened to pop on with her had his own channel. But he wasn't super popular. I think he had like at the time when he when when she jumped on with him, he had eight hundred subscribers. Right? By the time she was done, he was like over I think two K. Like everybody from her channel hopped on there and was like, Okay, I'll join his channel. And literally he had like two thousand subscribers after they were done playing that jumped over from her show or from her, you know, streaming uh from her stream to his just because like she gave him the exposure and he was pretty cool. So it's almost like you would need to do something like that. Like almost get like not use people to get exposure, but like spread yourself out there like with other podcasts, which I know you do. But like get yourself on other podcasts or get other podcasters on your show and do collaborations and like get people get people like, you know, to come over from other things to broaden your reach just a little bit because you know you're not going to get anywhere if you keep broadcasting to the same people you know what i'm saying like right. you have to have, you have to now get get yourself in with a new group somehow i don't know how that happens but <laughs> I know um, th- uh, tomorrow, by the time this is posted, it would have already happened, but I know you hate when I do this, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> tomorrow, uh, I think tomorrow evening, so I'm going to have to get up early, uh, I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to have to get up early so I can do my laundry and be home time for that particular appointment, but I haven't heard back yet. 
I'm going to be on Jay Leal's podcast, one of his podcasts tomorrow. So, and normally it's going, it's it may be something along the lines of what uh, Sasha does, meaning that what he does is he he broadcasts live on YouTube. So, yeah, it's something similar to that. Well, see, that's the other thing I was thinking, too, like, just thinking out loud. Like, you know, everybody's kind of going behind the curtain with us today, but that's okay. Um, I was thinking It's our third-year like, anniversary special, folks. So that's what we <laughs> want to bring you behind the curtain and kind of tell you how we feel and what's going on. Because uh, as you see with a lot of... Uh, YouTubers that do urban exploring, they want to bring you along. We want you to, you know, bring you along to with what we do and bring you along the process of what we go through. So, yeah. Well, that's another thing, like showing the process. See, that's something that I learned from somebody else, like as far as like if you're a maker or you're an artist, people like seeing your finished product, but you know, they also like seeing the process. That's something you might want to consider doing too. Showing people like what you do, what your equipment is, your you know the bag that you carry to shows, like you know, um, just your daily life kind of stuff. Not personal, like not too much personal stuff, but like if it relates to the show kind of thing. Because um, I, I noticed that some things that are more successful they have that where you know you can kind of get a behind the curtain look at the show, you know. And also get the show too. And I also noticed that a lot of things are doing a lot more with video now. So like a, a big YouTube presence or a big Instagram or Snapchat presence might be what you need too. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I'm, uh, I might – that's why I'm looking into do with more YouTube stuff and uh, Facebook stuff. And folks out there, uh, please – the link to our YouTube channel will be in the show description. Uh, the best way to, to find – that I know I when I po- post it everywhere it gives the link directly to the show uh, please scroll down a little bit if you're listening directly on site which is the longcoatmafia.podbean.com uh, it the link is in the show notes below uh, some of our videos I tend to put up on either our YouTube channel or our Facebook channel, depending on what they are. So I might have a Facebook, uh, a Facebook exclusive video, or I might have a YouTube exclusive video. Now it depends on the size of the video, and it depends on what the content of the video is. I might, meaning I might put a longer form video on YouTube versus. Uh, Facebook because Facebook uh, favors a shorter video where uh, your YouTube favors longer videos. So even though there are some videos I put up on both, um, like the I think when I went when I did the uh, Cadsby video, I put it on both because there was no uh, copyrighted music playing that I could be ding. So that's why I did that. But yeah. Uh, with the when I did, which we'll get into in a moment, is when I did the film theory. It was close to forty minutes, uh, if not closer to fifty minutes. I was like, "This is too big for people to really watch." Even though people tend to watch a lot of long form videos on YouTube, on Facebook, but it's more of a YouTube thing. So I was like, "All right, make it a YouTube exclusive. Uh, I'll put it up there." Yeah. And oh, by the way. 
by the way, uh, bravo on your film theory thing. More like that. You should do more stuff like that. Film theory, film review, you know, stuff like that. I know, I know you get pigeonholed when you do stuff like that, but at the same time, it's, it's really good content. Uh, I might... Especially, I, especially if it's something like that. Something that, like, is totally yours. You own that. You know what I mean? Like, and, and the thing that's is- not... Here's the conundrum. It's when folks out there, I'm going to let you all in on our like with comics and sports cards where you have uh, half a good majority of the group saying don't get that comic or that sports card signed because it decreases the value. There's always that other side of the the coin saying, go ahead, it actually increases the value. So you have both sides, and when it comes to podcasting, you have people that will tell you, if you so choose to do it yourself, um, you'll have people, oh, keep it within 15, 20 minutes. Uh, And you'll have people saying, no, keep it between 30 minutes and a half. An hour. All these people say keep it between an hour and two hours. All these people saying, you know, you know, more than you know, three hours is fine. Uh, but the thing is, uh, I've known podcasters, or I should say, there have been podcasts I've listened to that they've polled their listeners, and they've come to find out, and they've done that poll. It's like, should we shorten it to under three hours, under an hour? And it was evenly split amongst the listeners. Yeah. So it that's one thing. And... i tell you why, too, because a lot of people like, like the long-format podcast like Joe Rogan, because you can keep coming back to it. Right. Like, you can come to it, like, all week if you really want to. Plus... If it's something like a long commute or if you're, you know, something, if you can listen to like, you know, your iPhone at work, it's nice to have something on in the background while you're doing stuff. And, you know, especially like something like that, it's like it'll pretty much take you away. Like, you know, you're like you'll get so involved in it. Like you don't really have to think about what you're doing because you're thinking about that. Um, Short form has its great points too but like short form is more along the lines of like quick information like shooting out just facts and stuff real fast not long form opinions like you know not like sitting down and analyzing a situation or or a theme or something like that short form is really like it's almost like, like okay or I something have, like that that's why I don't or like- I have but, yeah, or like if you have a bunch of news or something that you want to do, uh, like short form is great for that. All right. Or like I said, uh, I've been realizing normally I'm, I'm at least a half an hour type of person. What I'm realizing is, okay, if it's 15 minutes, it's 15 minutes. If it's a 15 minute interview and that's all I got, fine. Uh, with the intro and the outro that I do and the, the theme music, it's going to be about 20 minutes anyway. Fine. And what I was going to say is that even though the fans like all variant times, the podcasters, the creators like uh, me and even you, uh, they argue over the fact of what size. And one of uh, the top brass for Libsyn, which is a host... Back when we were doing the Electric Eye, folks, we were part of the Lisbon family. Um, but they're one of their heart, uh, top Exec said, if you have 
15 minutes, do 15 minutes. If you have an hour, do an hour. If you have two hours plus, do two hours. And that's a beautiful thing to say. It's like, don't don't worry about the time. Time doesn't matter. You're going to get an audience. So, yeah. And whereas uh, there has been uh, various YouTubers, there's one I can name offhand who came out and said it, that he doesn't really like to repeat a lot of news that has come out. It's because he tends to look at it, invent it, and there's a lot of news. As soon as he talks about it, there's... An, 15, 20, 30 people already talking about it. So he tends not to try to talk about it, but that's yeah. one side. Like, someone's. But you, saying, you know, funny right, Like, he's Here's not really saying don't talk about it, but he said yeah. he doesn't like to talk about it. It's kind of like saying well, he, don't really talk about it because it's already been covered. But there are people out there I saying. Understand. What was that? I understand that. I was going to say, I understand that, why he's saying that, but at the same time, here's the thing, like, there's certain topics that, like, yeah, I've heard it be discussed before, but I want to hear it from a certain person. I want to hear their take on it. Like, yeah, if but you the, know the that the why he, you listen to... The, the reason why he was saying is that, that the same people that subscribe to his channel might also subscribe to the other people's channel. But what I heard is what you've been saying, that even though 15 people, there have been top people who have come out saying, yeah, even though 15, 20 people have talked about such and such thing, that shouldn't stop you from talking about it too, because your opinion on it or your coverage on it might be different than everybody else's coverage, or you'll have a different perspective on what's happening. That shouldn't stop you from covering it. That's why you should cover it. So don't be yeah. like you was that person was saying. Don't be afraid of covering it because they don't know what you have to say about it. Yeah. Well, nobody likes an echo chamber either. Right. So, like, you know, it's, it's good, that especially if you have a different opinion on something to speak out. Like, especially if it's topical. Like, you know, there was a, I guess the Alamo here in town showed a documentary called Eating Animals Tonight. And I noticed a lot of people, including the guy who hosted, got on there and was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be vegan after I watch this. And it's like, well, you know, if, if, if it took a film make up your mind about your eating habits like you're you didn't have very strong you know arguments in the first place like and second of all so everybody on there was just echoing yeah yeah meat's bad blah 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 so of course i gotta be the one that gets on there and puts like well you do know that like even vegetable farming kills animals and they're like then i get a backlash you know (laughs) but at least at least i'm making myself a different voice and I'm I'm getting noticed that way, and that's what's good. Like even like the old saying goes, any press is good press, even bad press. You know, like you're still getting the attention, even if it's negative. So like it's always good to have a voice, even if it's not a popular one. Right. That's that's why a lot of times when I'm on Twitter and I I might say something I'm like to myself, I'm like, watch, this is going to cause a fucking backlash, and nothing happens. I'm like, wait, mother. What? Fuck! <laughs> shit! 
<laughs> I should be like, why isn't anybody calling me out on my my bullshit? You know, it's don't you hate that when you try to cause trouble and then nothing happens? I hate right. that. Like a friend of mine posted up a picture the other day, and she's posed with um, a shirt that says the Smiths, and you know the Smiths were a band, right? No. Maybe you heard? Okay. There was a band back in the 80s um, that was called The Smiths. So the shirt was actually a joke shirt, and it had Will Smith and his family on it instead of the band. Right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, as funny as it is, I put the comment I made was uh, that joke isn't funny anymore because that's one of the actual Smiths, the band songs. I put that joke isn't funny anymore. I was expecting because this person, I, I expect this person doesn't know that that's a song of theirs. I was expecting her to come back and fight with me about it, but she didn't say anything. So I'm like, damn it. <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. It, it, it's a lot of it, it. You have to pick and choose your battles sometimes because yeah. there, there's a, a there's a few people I have uh, on my friends list, and it's not who you think. Uh, it's different people. So, right. and they're, it's no matter what you tell them, it, a lot of what they've posted on my, my wall, it's, I want to say they're more aligned that, that they don't want to hear it. And again, this is not the person you're thinking of. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, say no more, say no more. Uh, they just post up stuff that it's... Meaning they'll put up stuff like, The Earth is Flat, and all bunch of dumb shit, and you could provide... Uh, I'm just using Flat Earth as an example. Uh, and actually she did it's a post I completely missed for somehow and it's something that I would normally take the bait on and something I missed uh, yeah. and when I looked into the comments it was like a hundred comments underneath and it was one of the other other comments was from another person on my friends list about how the moon landing was completely faked and NASA came out and said it I'm like what the fuck are these idiots and I'm like, you know what? Since this one person doesn't post a lot of, you know, troll ass bullshit to get start off internet flame wars, uh, or at least Facebook flame wars, I'll leave him up for right now. But this bitch, again, stating for the fact that it's not who everybody might think it might be, uh, is getting <laughs> unfollowed and unfriended. So it 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 was like because of that and like listen I'm, I can't take it uh, I'll let other people even though I tend to be more middle road sometimes and it's just yeah. that I tend to know where most most facts facts why right? meaning yeah. it's like you're responding to a two second conversation a five second con- conversation in which you only received two seconds of and that's what you're reacting to but the people yeah. these people don't don't want to hear about that like well the earth is still flat no matter what you know what guess what later later I'm t- sick and tired of your shit so yeah so um next up we did 
Uh, at least I put up a 40 to 50 minute um, film theory, and I want to talk a little bit about that for a moment. And, uh, Big Candy, could you do me a favor and just start talking for a minute? Because uh, I think the the cord went out a little bit, so I might have to do a... Uh... Oh, you want me to talk, start talking yeah. now? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, go so, ahead. about what? <laughs> uh, uh, I'll talking about your film, film theory. theory. Just... I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll talk about your film theory. So... I, I watched it and I liked it. I thought it was very interesting take on Johnny Johnson's movies and the fact that I think you really pleased him by doing that. I think that um, he was a bit taken aback by the fact that you actually took the time to do that with his movies. And I think I think it was I think it was a pretty cool cool move on your part to do that, being such a fan. And um, it actually not only is it is it a good fan theory, it's a it's a good theory in general as far as like those movies go. And you did your research; that was another thing that was super impressive. So I really thought that was pretty cool. And the thing is, uh, to go to go into it a little bit, not the theory because it's about forty or fifty minutes long. Uh, the fact that it, it, I had the idea of the theory uh, weeks ago, and. I think I talked to you about it a little bit after show after one of the episode shows we did, and that following Friday, I think it was like a week or two later, uh, John Johnson had, was at a writers retreat at south of the border, uh, the tourist trap that it is. He just wanted a place that he could just sit down and write that wasn't where he was at, and he was doing all right. I need a break from writing the script. I want to do uh, a drink with every. Uh, it's going to be a live broadcast. It's going to be two drinks, a drink uh, with everybody on Facebook. It's going to be a live stream from ten to eleven, and from eleven to twelve, the second drink is going to be over on Instagram Live. Now, these two drinks turn to four drinks. <laughs> the final two drinks were on uh, Facebook. And during the the Instagram live stream, though, uh, he said he asked, "Do you guys have any questions out there?" I said, "That's when I piped up and I went, what are your thoughts about uh, someone doing a fan theory about your mo- about two of your movies?'" And he was like, "Which two?" And I said, uh, "Plan Nine, how Plan Nine and the Skeleton Key movies kind of are intertwined." And he was like. Hmm, that's interesting. And he, a lot of what he was bringing up kind of matched what I initially had in mind, meaning the timelines kind of fit, uh, where Skeleton Key kind of comes in right after Plan 9. And I was like, okay. Uh, and when I sat down to finally record it, I was like, okay, I can't record this until I'm done with the book because... Unless I'm done, I could be missing something. And I have to explain to everybody a little bit about the remake of the Plan 9 remake. I had to uh, kind of weave everything together and kind of be intelligent about it. And the fun thing is, the response back that we got from Johnny Johnson was great. For those of you who missed it... uh, he brought up the aspect of his his initial post was so so great about it, and 
Uh, his response was, This scholar and badass from the D-Kingdom has built a fan theory connecting a lot of my films. His theory connects Plan 9, Skeleton Key 1-4, through 4, Dr. Elemental, and others, putting them in the same universe. He uses Matthew Warner's novel of Plan 9 to connect some of, some dots. What do you think of his theory? It's pretty solid in my eyes. A hell of a deep dive with deep, very deep cuts. I'd say it really works. This There there may be a couple of films coming that will rock the theory a bit, but until then, it holds strong. I'm going to say, um, I'm not going to finish it up. Uh, and I'll, uh, well, I will. It says, um, and to be honest, this just gave me some ideas. Thank you again, sir, for your studies and your work. And he also adds to the bottom of it, he said, uh, I think you're pretty, in regards to us, the theory says, I think you're pretty close on years in between Skeleton Keys 2. Now, this is coming from the person who made these movies and wrote these movies. So, that right. to me, that's a high honor. Yeah, and, sure. Especially some, something that we've been enjoying and loving for, like, how many years now? Oh, since 2007. Exactly, and one of the things that he, he said, and I uh, replied, like, glad you liked the theory. And he, he his reply to me was, very much, amigo, topped my day. And I think he might have had a bad day or wasn't going too well. And it's something that, you know, kind of like, gate. <laughs> or he wasn't yeah. really expecting that much from the theory. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it surprised him a lot. That's cool. And you got to get him on the show, man. Yeah, I got to. And one of some one of the people, I guess, that worked on an early draft of Plan Nine. Uh, I don't know if you were following the conversation on and said uh, unless I don't think they they watched it yet, but um, they stated unless some things seriously changed from the early draft of the Plan Nine novel that I beta read for you guys. There are, is definitely a tie-in to Elemental and would take on some serious suspension of disbelief to not link Officer Kelton to Spooky Tales and House on the Hill. Not to mention that you said so yourself in interviews. Stephen King has everything happen in Derry, Maine, and you have everything happen in Nilbog, Virginia. Yeah. So, it, it's to get that level of uh-huh it works is kind of like i was just part of it seemed like i was trying to pull shit out of my ass and <laughs> to have john johnson say yeah that that you're solid it works yeah. we're, we're going to use it you know and it, it's just like well i could have been talking up my ass i don't i'm surprised you don't believe that shit but um it, it's fun to see it from the you know here um just uh, folks you know what what i'd like to see from him i was gonna say you know what i'd like to see from him would be a series because i i don't know when it's gonna happen but i know he's getting that amazon channel and i know he loves to work on stuff I think it would be, like, great to see, like, a show called, like, Welcome to Nilbog or Welcome to Nilbog Population, you know, Zero or something like, you know, something weird to where, like, it's just how weird the, the whole Nilbog area is. Like, different stuff. You get in the characters that you have living there on this, like, fantasy place. <laughs> right. 
which is kind of what happens in Skeleton Key, but at the same time, like, you know, just all the different characters, almost from the movies and from his universe and stuff, like, just some kind of, like, some kind of, like, half-hour series, like, Welcome to Nilbog. <laughs> and it, it's just one of those things, like, granted, I don't know if I, I don't remember saying in the video, but granted, I, I knew, and I think I said, granted, uh, I know that the Skeleton series, Skeleton Key series is mostly a humorous uh, series of movies, uh, and I, I acknowledge that, I understand that, but it's, it, that was kind of the fun way of trying to tie things in, and a little bit of elementals, like, listen, I know this is this, I know this is this, but this is how I think these pieces of this puzzle kind of fit together, and it, it was something fun to do, and I don't know how folks like the theorizer on YouTube and Matt Pat, you know, boil everything down to like fifteen fucking minutes, um, yeah. because and, or fifteen twenty minutes. It's like, wait a minute, what if nobody really know knows the movie you're talking about? You, you even though everybody knows about the Hunger Games, knows about Jurassic Park. That's why I think mine was that long. It's like no one really knows about Plan the Plan Nine remake outside of a, maybe a few thousand people, or maybe it's not that many people might know about it. So I have to explain this. Not many people know about John Johnson's Skeleton Key movies. So I have to explain that shit. So it's it's not that easy. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I have this theory. I'm going to do it in 15 minutes. So. It it was. I think I worked on it like five or six times. I you know uh, trying to record it, and I had stuff written down. The one person I couldn't really—I don't think I mentioned it in the video—but the one person I couldn't place in everything that I wanted to place someplace was uh, Doctor Sniffles slash uh, Doctor Kubert, um, huh. which is you know. You folks out there who've watched the movie or don't really know, Doctor Kubert slash Doctor Sniffles is this character that helps how the character Howard uh, be cured of his evil. And what Doctor uh, this character tends to do, he, he comes off. He might greet Howard very kind, very sweet. Hi, how you doing? Get out of my fucking face! And it's that switch off that that's it. the way the, the the actor portrays that character is the timing is on point um because it's always I like that you're here and it's good to see you now leave like whoa and it's that instant flip and the jokes between them it is perfect and I don't. I think there's a way to place them, but I wasn't sure exactly where. I didn't know where. What was your What was your theory on that? On where to place them? Well, I think where I want. Part of me wants to say that in the book it talks about. Um, in in the movie, you see the the in essence Cap, which is one of the military folk, uh, kind of rip off his shirt and go after you know the the aliens. In the book, it's explained that in a previous mission and contact with the same alien species, he was brought into the ship, and when he was released. He wasn't the same way, meaning he was a he was a valid, straight thinking um, person.
person and an officer, but when he he was released because due to the torture, he literally was insane. Um, oh, there you go. And my aspect of um, Dr. Kerbrut is that maybe Dr. because he knows how to cure evil and Dr. Noches created a lot of the monsters and everything else that was currently in town, Dr. Kubert was his friend that, in essence, got quote-unquote hit by the meteor. Because in the book, it says, uh, it describes that when they were investigating a meteor, that all the, because the, in essence, the aliens could shift between, uh, in essence, go through walls. And that their ship in essence, they could go through the walls of the ship, grab somebody, and pull that person in, uh, and in essence, phase shift that person in the ship. So, my thought is, maybe, when the media hit, they brought in Dr. Kubert, uh, and when he was released, instead of snapping, like, violently, he had the knowledge, because he was that smart, knew about the aliens, knew about how, you know, gained knowledge instead of uh, anything else, and his his split, or his insanity, was that personality sl- split. Meaning, one was that angry you know, person, and the other side was his true self, and in essence, that nice, that kind of kind person, like, hi, how you doing? It's good to see you. You want some, you know, we got some milk and cookies. And right, I got a question. I got Go a ahead. question. What what was it that he was doing when Howard met him in part one? When he first went in that, remember he was in that building? What was he doing? Uh, he was just typing away on uh, on a computer. Uh, yeah. But didn't, didn't he say what he was doing or something? And then like, oh, I can't remember. I can't it's been a while. I don't know where my copy is. I'm thinking you could probably tie that in somehow. Because like maybe that was something he was trying to trying to do. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd have to hear him say it again. There there has to be yeah. there, there's a link to, with him in it. There's a way yeah. of putting him in a part of this puzzle, but I'm not exactly sure. Where he fits, yeah. he fits in somewhere. So uh, it, it was that's. But the way they openly in Plan Nine kind of meet uh, the character Danny kind of fade out unknowingly. That oh he survived, but we don't know what happened. Uh, that's why I wanted to finish the book because they kind of tell what happens to uh, the main the pilot and his wife. That they kind of yeah. parked somewhere, uh, rode it out, had, in essence, had great sex. You know, they, while waiting it out, they had sex back of the uh, the U-Haul. So, <laughs> and once everything cleared out, they drove off into, in essence, off to, into the sunset. But with Danny, there's that, there's that, like I said in the video, there's no aftermath, and that's why I said, well. In part two, uh, we kind of, kind of using the aspect of using the same actor, uh, where how it could fit in, and 
I had to kind of twist this theory, like, well, maybe Howard kind of looks similar to uh, Officer Kel, you know, the deputy. Therefore, in essence, Danny wants the officer, like, knock it off or I'll put you in jail. You know, he's kind of waiting yeah. on that. And in yeah. Plan 9, or in the book, you see it more so in the book than anything else, that Danny's kind of a horn dog. Um, so, who knows? And you kind of... Who knows? It, it, it was easier to explain Danny than it would be Dr. Kubert in regards to yeah. a lot of the evidence that was presented. So... And technically, I could have probably explained away uh, um, Monique Dupree's little aspect of uh, her being in the movies, but uh, again, that would have been stretching. I don't want to stretch too much. <laughs> yeah, you might pull something. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was there a double entendre implied or not? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Who are you talking to, sir? Who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, uh, I, that's why I can't wait until October to to meet with her. I, there's going to be a lot to unpack with her. A lot to unpack yeah. in a good way. Uh, double entendre not implied. Double entendre not implied. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, a couple of extra things that I want to bring up one quick thing is uh, 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 real quick keep talking I gotta go I need a drink or I'm gonna die no problem uh, one of the reports that we got in across our while Big Candy's getting a drink is that there will be it's right now rumors more than anything else is the fact that at San Diego Comic Con which it will start I think Wednesday or Thursday of this week that uh, there will be a uncut version of Deadpool 2 screened there. There's going to be like a Deadpool 2 panel. Uh, the major rumor that is currently coming out is, well, they're going to be unscreening un- it, and it's going to be a... Now, a lot of... Uh, sometimes you might see this on a smaller scale or a... Uh, to use John Johnson as a reference, uh, a filmmaker like him would sometimes go when he's at a show uh, like Horror Find or a Monster Mania, if he's there as a vendor or so forth and so on, he might screen a movie there just to kind of see how the fan base reacts. Now, they could be doing this. Uh, to see how people react to the uncut version. Uh, it could be more or less maybe the possibility of uh, just screening the bonus features at San Diego. Uh, so if they do, we'll find out more later this week. But also this week, they, I should say, as of today, when I was looking up things for the show, bringing it up is. Nope, that's Messenger. Wrong button. Uh, uh, one of the things that I want to bring up, or at least start into, and he just as he returns. Ah, uh, and don't worry too much. Uh, I, as I was telling the listeners, I heard. I heard. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know how much you heard, so 
Oh, yeah, you're just a bastard. Oh, you had to come up on uh, fucking bitch. You <laughs> fucking no. I had the article uh pulled up to read, and all of a sudden, one of those uh stupid shit comes up. Oh, you earned a dear Amazon user. Your uh, you know, you've won a free <laughs> Amazon gift card. You bastard. Um, <laughs> Bastard. That means I got to go back on uh, follow the link. Basically, what it was was the upcoming uh, schedule or the the panel schedule for um, San Diego. I figured we could possibly talk about uh, or at least get a reaction of what you might think or give our thoughts in regards to where did I see it. Oh, don't tell me it wasn't on Geek Tyrant. That would be that. That would be sick. Or was it on Twitter? You know what? Screw it. <laughs> Screw it. Um, we'll talk about it when it actually drops. Uh, but uh, in regards to Deadpool two, I had more information about that. Uh, it was easier for me to talk about. And stupid fucking phone. God damn it, bastard. Uh. Damn spam bullshit scam artists. But one of the other things that was brought up was uh, Rick and Morty uh, creators have started work on season four. I guess they'll be doing quick promos over the next couple of weeks or months until we get a uh, a, a type of uh, actual episode. Who knows? We might actually get a Christmas episode. You can understand that. Like they kind of did. Or we, we might the fans have been saying, "Oh, we're going to get a Christmas episode. We're going to." Get, this was last year, but this year we might actually get a Christmas episode due to the fact that uh, the contracts have been signed and they're starting work on episodes now. So who knows? We might actually get that Chris- that Christmas episode. Um, yeah, we, uh, it could be a complete surprise, uh, kind of like what they did with season three. Uh, speaking of which, season three is on Hulu for all of you who have missed it, uh, and also stating that fact, Pickle Rick. So Pickle Rick. And to kind of because while I'm looking, um, trying to find the article real quick in reference to the schedule. What the hell is that? Uh, forget it. Um, how was your Fourth of July? I should have brought up the stop at the start of the fu- show though. Um. Well, where where we live, uh, it actually poured down rain all day. We just sat inside and watched Independence Day movies, which you know the the first one and the sequel, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. <laughs> Did you see um, the sequel before? Yeah, I don't know why everybody hates on it. I like it. I, I'm hoping they make a third one. I wasn't hating on that. My wife's home, by the way. <laughs> I, <laughs> You're not so sure about this. Me. I was like, oh my god. Oh god. You did that with another movie. I liked it. I thought it was good. Plus, the third one would be in space, and I like, I like space. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, yeah, we watched that. That's all. And then, like, the third. They had fireworks in town, but we missed them because we forgot that they were happening. But, well, I mean, I kind of saw the end of them. That was about it. Mm, she worked. <laughs> well, 
because um, the here was kind of, I wouldn't say light, but mm-hmm. where we were, we had decent tree coverage, so we got a few drops from falling from the tree, but uh, nothing that would have deter uh, the the fun, I won't say the fun, the the events that we were enjoying where we were at. Pretty much uh, what happened was I, uh, like a day or two before uh, Lloyd's fiance messaged me and was like, oh, you want to, uh, a friend of theirs is having a cookout. Uh, she knows who you are you, and she said you're more than welcome to come. And I, I mentioned like, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. Five minutes later, uh, she said you're coming. Yeah, you're showing up at <laughs> this cookout. Uh, it was pretty much Michelle saying, "No, you're coming. You're you're going to have a good time." So, uh, in essence, I participated in a barbecue. Uh, had hamburgers, uh, macaroni salad. I had uh, some alcoholic beverages. Uh, <laughs> uh, granted, um, Keystone Light is that's not my beer. It's that's on your drink. The keystone. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm more of a... Uh, if, was that... What? Is that Pennsylvania here? Uh, I don't know about keystone, but I'm more of a yingling type person for the most part. Uh, that's where majority of my loyalty lies, even though I don't mind drinking flying dog. Uh, but uh, as a wise person once said, when you're visiting a guest... Uh, when you're a guest at somebody's house... Uh, or you're a guest at your friend's house, your favorite beers are one, free, two, cold. Everything else. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's, that, that's good manners right there. Right. There. Yeah. It's like uh, when you're out visiting somebody, you, no matter what your favorite beer is, the, the, your, your, whatever your one, number one favorite beer is gets replaced gets shot down to number three and the first two always one free two cold so uh, it's like I can't really complain uh, it, it was I know when I visit Lloyd his his usual brand is uh, I think Milwaukee's best so uh, it, it it's like I'm, I'm not going to complain because no, no, it, no, there's nothing wrong. No, as, as the shitty beers go, Beast Ice is up there. It's in the top five of the better shitty beers. Yeah. In my in my list, it's going to go PBR, of course. Then you got like maybe probably Beast Beast or Beast Ice, and then there's like Schaefer's. <laughs> and then what would you say after that? Like what would be four and five? Um. Sam Adams would be number four. When I tried that, it was like very watered down beer. Well, no, no, no. See, Sam Adams, here's the problem. Sam Adams is not a shitty beer. Sam Adams is one of those wannabe craft beers. Like, shitty beers, I mean, are the ones that only come in cans. They're always $2 and like some change at the store for a six pack. (laughs) And you usually see (coughs) people drinking them on the rings. Uh,. Oh, I mean, like uh, how you get PBR or uh, which is it? Which has like a fifteen pack? It's always like f- Ooh, yeah. five or six dollars for a fifteen pack. When everybody else yeah. is like ten dollars. Yeah, Steel Reserve would be one of those. 
Those are like that. Oh, and uh, Natural Light. Natural Light's oh, another one. That, that, that'd probably be my top five. If if Lloyd doesn't drink uh, a beast, he drinks Natty, uh, Natty. So it, it's one of those two. There it so is. it's like, yep. it, I can't complain. It's like, as someone who doesn't drink beer that often, I can't really complain too much. I'm like, all right, I'm having a beer. So... It's free. It's yeah, I, always tell, <clears throat> I always tell myself I'm going to have a couple of beers, and then I don't. So I don't know why. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the cookout that we were at, they were shooting off uh, a few fireworks there. But as soon as I got home, because uh, my stuff was at Lloyd's, my pack was at Lloyd's house, uh, and got there, spent some extra, a few extra minutes there, and this was me about. By the time I left his place, it was like 8.30. By the time I got home, it was like quarter to nine, nine in around there. I put everything inside. inside. Now, here's the thing about uh, Martinsburg. They did their uh, their fireworks display. Where I live at, it's not close to where they do the display, but you can see it. Oh. Kind of. Because the fireworks explode over the tree line, and you could see the majority of them. Yeah. But the thing is, they didn't start at nine o'clock like they usually do. They started at nine thirty. Oh. And they do around wait five minutes, do another round again, wait five minutes, do another, do another round, make it look like a finale. <laughs> and stopping like, oh, it's done. I'm going to go inside and maybe watch an episode or two, two of NCIS and maybe, you know, watch some Twilight Zone on Netflix. And as soon as I walk back down to where my house is, they start to start up again. I'm like, motherfucking cocksucker, you know? It's like, continue that shit. And, <laughs> and the thing is, the people, that red brick house that you see when you normally drop me off, that was vacant yeah. for the past, I don't know, six, eight months, now right. has somebody in it. And I'm used to leaning against that house. Even I knew the original owners of that house. And if there was a light show or a air show going on, I could have leaned by that on that house all fucking day. The owner the owner of that house <laughs> used to the original owner know, knows my knew my stepdad. So yeah, or I should say, still knows my stepdad. So I could have leaned on that house all goddamn day, and that's what I was doing. I was leaning against the house, and they came home like, "Who the fuck are you?" I'm like, "I live behind you." <laughs> Listen, I knew the owners <laughs> of this house way longer than you have. You know, I I knew the original owners, man, and not to mention. His grandkids live like right fucking next door. <laughs> they know who I am, so uh, it's not like um, the big deal. But when most of the neighborhood n- knows each other, and which is kind of a good thing, you know, if they everybody kind of knows each other and kind of gives a lookout for each other, that's always a great. I won't say a great environment, but a lot of the negativity and the bad shit doesn't really happen. So, or it's kept to a fucking minimum. Yeah. And here's uh, a f- bunch of people that 
are not really outside people, if you can understand that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, every time I go out, either to go do laundry, go shopping, go to work, whatever, I there's occasionally I get to see the people that live in front of me, or my other I get to see my other neighbors. They're the only neighbors that moved in within the past 14 days I have not seen in any way, shape, or form. No matter what. I see my neighbor next to me and the people that visit him more than I've seen them. And my neighbors to my uh, that's right next to me are growing a garden and it's very tempting. We're talking like uh, peppers, hot peppers, and tomatoes. <laughs> wow. So, I'm like, oh man, dude. Yeah, I, when I see the owner, it's like, dude, you gotta give me a couple, a tomato or two or something like that. You're, you're you're making me hungry. I don't. I I know those fucker. The peppers that he's growing are like habaneros. They're like the round peppers, but the yeah, peppers yeah, nonetheless, yeah. they're really hot peppers. I'm like, oh, dude. Oh fuck. yeah, 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 yeah. So, if not, you gotta give me one. Uh, I got tell them, like, give me one or two of the hot peppers. I know somebody who's gonna really fucking love them. And they're just going to eat into them like a motherfucker. Um, but the fun thing there, there is, when I saw them, at least that one neighbor and a couple of the people that you know help him out re- restoring the house that he's in, and I said, I asked him, I was like, "What are you dealing with doing about the bunny problem?" Because for the first, I want to say, I've been in this house going on eight. Been over eight years, and going on nine years, and for the majority of the time I've been living here, we've had a ground. I've seen groundhog, same probably the same groundhog, week in week out. It's been recently no groundhog, but it's a bunny, and so therefore I've been. I asked him like, "What have you been doing about the bunny problem?" And the guy was like, "Eh." There's nothing we can really do about it. We don't really want to kill him because he's really doing no harm. The only thing he's attacked yeah. is the, the lettuce that they've been trying to grow. But it, for the most part, he's been avoiding the tomatoes and the peppers. So I'm like, all right. And he's like, wait a minute. Uh, and that's when I looked up and I'm like, there's the bunny little bastard right over there. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, he's like, really? He's out? I'm like, yep, there he is, eating on the grass. He looks over and he smiles like, oh, there's that little, that little bastard. So, he's like, for the most part, he's like, he, they ate the lettuce and it's like, no big deal. It's like, it's just a home garden, like something you and I, or I would do. It's, they're not really yeah. doing it for money. It's for personal, I'm going to grow a garden. I'm going to grow some tomatoes. So, other than that, it's just a big time mosquito problem and it's going to be a spider problem because I get a because my house is between a lot of behind a lot of trees and I gotta walk between those trees to get to the road and all that it, get that kung fu aspect of things that you walk into the web and all of a sudden you're doing you're instantly knowing kung fu <laughs> you know what I'm talking about you walk through a post and all of a sudden you, yeah, you got yeah, a cobweb like, in your ah. face <laughs> It's yeah. either that or gnats, you know? Yeah, always. So. Oh. Yeah. I, I, we, we got a really bad mosquito problem here. I get bit on the, on the face tonight. I hate it. <laughs> oh, 
wow, look who's talking. You're not the one living about 150 feet away from a stream. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. How high has that thing got with all the rain? Uh, it, as I've told people in the past, when I, um, when I first moved here about eight years ago, it was almost near, it was maybe about four inches below uh, being overflowed. Now it's like, I should say it's from the the topmost lip of where the water was, or the difference between where the drop off is and the water was maybe four inches, not even. Now at its lowest point, it's maybe a foot and a half. When we got the major rain a couple of weeks ago, yeah, it came up to right near the edge, and when we got that second bout of major rain, that's what put it over, and that's my video on my Facebook personal page showing that. It was like that update video I posted up showing kind of it overflowing, but the video prior to that was where it originally was at, so... Hey, so uh, I don't know if you saw it, but did you want to mention anything about uh, Steve Ditko? Oh, I kind of had that down, but uh, the thing um, for those out there who didn't realize, uh, I was just thanking uh, Geek World Order for giving us a a shout out as usual. So, uh, yeah, I think it was earlier. The news came yesterday that, at least the news was made publicly, that Steve Ditko, who helped create a lot of the uh, Marvel Universe next to Stan Lee, uh, passed away. And I think he helped create the Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, and a whole mess of other uh, fine characters. And he passed away. He was found deceased he's been he was dead in his home for like two days i think one article said before he was discovered um i don't remember seeing uh, what the cause was i guess we'll know it uh at some point but he was like 60 some odd 70 years old something like that No, he was 90 90. wow um Yeah, that's right. He was like 90 years old. Um, part of me wants to say I met him at like a Wizard World or something like that uh, back in the when they were first starting out or Baltimore. That, you know, something I, I got this feeling that I've met him at one point, but I didn't meet him. It's, uh, I, that's why I wanted. I wanted to put up like, yeah, we our Godfather uh, met him many years ago at Wizard World or Baltimore, one of the two. But I couldn't. I couldn't really lay that claim down because I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> so I didn't want to put something. It, it wasn't like me saying, you know, hey, I got you know this memory. Like, let's say. God forbid. God forbid. Uh, I don't want to see the man... He's old enough as it is. I I, I don't want to jinx it. But it's not like a, a fun Stan Lee story that I might have, like the the, the Incredible Hope poster that I got signed. Uh, you know, him doing a charity event, and he signed a whole mess of posters for those who wanted it. So it's not something like that. And so it's one of those things like... I think I met him, but I don't know if I did. Or there's that chance I might have something signed by him, but I don't remember. <laughs> so, 
But he created a lot of great characters, and he 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 opened the door for a lot of great things today that we we take for granted. And the reason why I didn't want to cover it is because there are people out there trying to uh, ruin the memory or ruin what the the stuff that he helped create already. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm just going to say. Uh, there are people out there covering. I'm not saying the people covering it are idiots, but they're they are covering the idiocy behind it. Uh, that is, folks like uh, Diversity in Comics, The Quarterling, uh, amongst many others, that are covering the stupidity behind this, and that the people that want to bash. Uh, the le- this man's legacy that he has brought to the enjoyment of, if not m- hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people over the the fifth, fifty plus years of Marvel comics, uh, in regards to that. So I don't want to be one of the people saying, "Look at this freaking idiot! Or, uh, don't ruin this man's memory." Uh, and just trying to spoil things. I don't want to cover that. Uh, it. I don't want. You know. It. That's just me. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I just thought it was worth mentioning about Dick. Uh, he will be missed by many, and uh, hopefully. At the, I think he was right up there with uh, with uh, Kirby as one of the pioneers. Yeah, and, that, I guess that's who I was initially talking about, uh, or at least thinking about. I'm like, he's right up there with Kirby and helped create. He helped create a lot of uh, great characters. Uh, if he, yeah. if it was one of those things that if Kirby didn't first put ink to paper, it was Ditko. You know, it was one of those yeah. things. Yeah. And go 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 ahead. I was just, I was just that, that's all I was going to say about it. So I thought I'd bring that up, you know. <laughs> I, I, part of me want, wants to dig into the hate behind it, and the other part doesn't because I don't know too much of exactly what hate's going on out well, there. So to avoid, to avoid any of that, um, I was going to say I don't know how you feel about it, but. Uh, me and the wife were talking about the other day, like this new Disney uh, Fox merger that's going to go through. Um, I don't know where I don't know where it is in the process of going through, but um, this is just conjecture. But prior to the releasing of um, the new Avengers movie, which will be next year. What are your feelings on if Disney acquires Fox in time? Do you think that there might be, or do you think it'll be in the pipeline for down the road, a relaunch of the X-Men titles? I've been, I think I saw something, I don't know where it was. Uh, I think it was either Twitter or Facebook, one of the two, in regards to that. That people are thinking that Avengers Four is going to be dropping hints in regards to um, the X Men and uh, along in regards to that they're going to be dropping major hints of regards to them coming in. And I've heard folks state that 
as of right now, uh, the Fantastic Four is officially part, or at least either officially part of the MCU right now, or back at MCU, or in regards to rights-wise, back at Marvel. So, and Marvel's already thinking of re. I know for many of you out there, it's like, oh my God, they're rebooting Fantastic Four. <gasps> Oh, again. This time it's uh, <laughs> back at. This time it's at Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel, not well, Fox. <laughs> Therefore, so in other words, <laughs> you're going to get other a words, quality. It's going to be good. I'm not yeah. saying the original Fox. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, I didn't hate the first two. I didn't really right. hate the third one. I didn't see the third one, but I've seen the first two. They weren't bad. They weren't bad. They they needed improvement, but they weren't bad bad. They weren't Roger Corman bad. But Roger Corman one was, from what I've seen, cheesy. And it would have been awesomely cheesy. But it wasn't that bad. But You never saw the newest one? The newest? No, I I, I avoided it like the plague. Well, okay. Here's the thing. It's not it's not the Fantastic Four that you know and love. Let's put it that way. It's it's the Fantastic Four, but <laughs> it's it has doesn't have the character of the Fantastic Four. Does that make sense? It's missing a large chunk of the soul of Fantastic Four. Yeah, I did like what I did like a lot. I really liked the Doctor Doom character in it. Because it was more like Doctor Doom. He was just he was hateful and and angry and and very very powerful. I did like him. Um, <clears throat> other than that, yeah, it, it wasn't. It, it was a fan. It was and it wasn't a bad movie. To me, it was like actually a pretty good movie. Like as far as like as far as action movie goes, it was it was a good it was a decent movie. But it was definitely not. If you're looking for the Fantastic Four, that that ain't it. Right. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm hoping they do is I hope that they, if they, you know, they have the rights to the Fantastic Four. I hope they have the rights to the expanded stuff, and they start doing something like with Franklin Richards and Galactus and all that stuff. That's like a real big part of the Fantastic Four storyline. And we might actually get a chance to see that. Or it might be one of the things that they hint about in, from what I heard in uh, the next Avengers movie. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that like where where one thing dies off, another thing comes on. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or 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 like that's how they write these people into the story. Like okay, the reality gym changed things so that like where these people didn't exist before, it's like they've always existed. You know what I mean? Like they almost like they write them into into canon by using the reality gym. Would that would that be fair, or would that be like kind of like a cop out? What do you think? A lot of fans might think it's a cop out, but a good number of fans would be able to say, "Okay, I could see that, and I could understand it." It's kind. Of, it would they, be kind of like what they did with the Sentry character. Remember Sentry? Yeah, yeah. It, which was in essence, I remember when they first did that. It was like it, they they built it off as, oh, this is not a hoax. Yet it was a joke 
it started out uh, for the folks out there in regards to uh, nowadays the century is a part of the uh, Marvel comic universe not the cinematic universe uh, back right. when it first came out like 2000 what five or something 2000, like that yeah, or 2014 yeah what? something like that yeah 2004 2005 and it was kind of billed as almost a a joke uh, a joke but not a joke and the the folks that were running Marvel at the time were like yeah we have this secret character but here and it worked out beautifully they didn't I think it was just going to be something that was a throwaway thing, and the fas- the fans just latched onto it, and it became such a popular character and a popular thing that uh, Joe Quesada and everybody else behind it had to take it actually seriously, because here was a character that called a sentry that didn't, wasn't like a... Uh, was more or less along the lines of a Spider-Man or Daredevil, where he, where Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider and gained his powers, and uh, Daredevil got splashed by chemicals and got his powers, and so forth and so on. The Sentry, uh, his alternate form, uh, drank a like a, a chemical, whatever it was, and became the Sentry. Only to come, come to find out that his greater ne- his nemesis was him- himself, meaning that yeah. when the, if the sentry saved fourteen people, his nemesis would kill fourteen people, and and the thing is, the the, the storyline said the reason why we forgot about him is that his alter ego, this evil. Part. Not only did he have a uh, uh, a Peter Parker or Bruce Banner type of secret identity, he had a third identity, which means he was the Sentry. Oh, the trouble's going down. I gotta switch to the Sentry. Drink this, you know, this chemical or this concoction to be the Sentry. But the third person was him himself as this the Shadow, and the Shadow became or Shadow esque character became so so bad that he went to, I think if I'm remembering the story right, he went to Reed Richards to create something that would make him and everybody else forget who he was. Yeah. That you could have... (laughs) Yeah, he was just, they just forgot about him. That you could have... A century poster up. Uh, it, it got. So, it was so well written. It was like, well, there are these people that would have poster sized spots on their wall, and in their brain, it was like, ah, nothing really would work in that spot. And the reason why they would forget yeah. is because they already would have something in that spot, and it was a century poster. And once right. the century, uh, this character started remembering that he was the century. Everything started to come in that he had this secret building, he had um, this uh, base of operations, and everybody started else started remembering that he was a sentry. Therefore, that blank spot on the wall that was poster-sized now had a sentry poster on it. Yeah, the illusion were off. Yeah, the and illusion it, it was off. And, and everybody was like, oh, of course there's a guy named the sentry, just like he had always been there. Right. 
so like that could be that could be a venue that they could possibly go down with as far as like introducing the Fantastic Four and you know characters of that nature to the Marvel Universe Um, because I mean like okay New York City got attacked and they didn't help out come on (laughs) right the the mutants didn't help out come on Therefore, it'll be like the whole aspect of the, uh, the like the nine eleven tribute comments. Like, well, where were you, the superheroes? Where were you when these attacks were happening? And sort of type of thing. But who knows? It, it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate the mutants and uh, the Fantastic Four, even though. Uh, I've heard rumors in regards to how they're going to kind of sort of work the, the um, Daredevil, the Punisher, uh, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage into everything. But yeah, I don't know how how because they kind of kept everything uh, the TV shows kind of kind of sort of separate from the movies. Well, it would be smart on their part to do that because uh, where they failed with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they could actually pick the ball up and roll you know, with it with the Netflix shows, <clears throat> which is honestly what the DC Universe should do with like Flash and Legends, but they won't do it. And Arrow, right. but they won't do it. Um, but, uh, no, as far as like... I don't know. I, I, I see them doing a lot with the properties. I see them doing new stuff. I just I also heard rumors that the publishing aspect that they're buying, uh, well, that Disney already owns of Marvel, they they don't like it, and they're they think it's a loser. They're th- they think they're losing money with it, and I think that it, a lot of this results from that, that whole. Um, comic skate stuff and all the stuff that's been going down over the past couple of years. Um, and, and to clarify, uh, uh, because I've been kind of following the first thing comics and yet kind of not following it, the whole comic skate right. is in regards to the first thing comics and what he he pretty much putting his, uh, yeah. his book out well, there and all that. On- and- well, not even that. His take on it was that there was people basically put in charge at Marvel that didn't deserve to be there. People that, like, their main objective was not making good comics. It was making social commentary through comics and doing it at a, at a, a really ham-fisted uh, kind of way that, like... Comics weren't comics anymore, as much as they were just like, uh, uh, like a, a an opportunity for like marginal artists and writers to virtue signal via their craft. So that and, and a lot of people agreed with him. They got tired of seeing some of the like the newer characters that Marvel was introducing and the and the destruction of the old characters. In the face of the new characters, basically, in the new characters not living up to the legacies of the ones that they had replaced. So, you know, we weren't getting the Hulk anymore. We were getting like Amadeus Cho or whatever his name is, Hulk Light, in these stories that just weren't interesting. And we were getting like, you know, 
um, you know, Squirrel Girl, and we were getting like just all this weird stuff that, like, honestly, at the end of the day, <clears throat> the people who are writing or who are reading comics or have been reading comics for a long time just weren't enjoying, and and the readership had gone down, and Marvel was like. You know, in the basement, and they still are. And what kills me, and what I we had talked about on the show before, is they've got all these hot properties going on right now. They've got all this stuff going on in, in Hollywood, and where they should be capitalizing on a lot of that stuff, they're not. They're instead, you know, they have. You know the the girl being Iron Man and and Tony Stark like not in the picture and they have Loki as or Thor and Loki as women for whatever reason like you know <laughs> rather than capitalizing on actually having Thor be a man and they have like somebody who's not the Hulk as the Hulk and they got Captain America getting killed off and. It's just a whole lot of weird is, stuff. Not to mention the the artists and writers on these books attacking uh, the fans and uh, attacking. Yeah, well, that's what it, it all started with. The the basically the the fans backlashing against people like, listen, we don't like these stories that you're writing, and they were like, write something else. And and the, and the artists instead of like saying, you know. What they should have said is, listen, this is my vision. If it doesn't play out, you know, there's always somebody else going to come behind me and write something else. Instead, they were like, screw you. If you don't like my books, you know, go read something else. And it's like. And the thing is, when. kind of fill folks in is that a lot of these creators turn to uh, the person behind. not just uh, even uh, even Van Striver, I uh, butchered his name, um, and got folks behind uh, folk guy behind Diversity Comics. They pretty much told the, the those two guys, "Yeah, put your money where you mouth. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you do." And yeah. they both those uh, folks did well, an independent campaign uh, for their own books, and you know, hit it out of the park. And yeah, like where where the most books are making like, the, you know, they're selling like a certain amount of copies, and it's only making like say like tops thirty thousand dollars. These guys raised independently, virtue Indiegogo raised three hundred and sixty one thousand dollars for their book, if not more. It was like, it, I don't no, think that's exactly. Uh, Indiegogo has ended yet. Because I'm looking at it right now. They literally are 3,867% funded as of May the 10th. So, like, this, this book is, like, one of the hottest books out right now in terms of, like... Stuff that you know, in terms of like what the fans actually want, but what you got on the other hand is you have the comic book mafia, as they are called, um, who don't like this because what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to disparage people because they're the ones who he doesn't like. So they think that he's a racist. They think he's a sexist. They think he's uh, homophobic. Um, all because he doesn't like these books and the concepts that they're trying to push. Right. Um, and what he was doing was he was doing like live reviews of the books and he wasn't saying anything in the, in the reviews that wasn't being said in the book. And some of the ideas that they were pushing were really out there. 
And he was just making light of it, and they didn't like it at all. Yeah, and they there was got like mad. One, there was like one shop that uh, came out, and one a guy it was a YouTuber that came out and was like, "Listen, I got footage of being banned for life from one shop that kind of sides with the audience." And sure enough, it was like one uh, a shop that was not just you know come in buy comics like what four color fantasy does we just got a brand new shipment of comics and come on down and you know buy some comics we got past issues so forth yeah i'm using four color fantasy as a reference but that's what they do they want you as a customer to buy their stuff that they're selling in the store then no matter who you are there they want you in the buy the store but i mean buy the stuff in the store um but the one shop that they went to the person went into not only pick up his weekly stuff that he has on hold, uh, his weekly pull or his monthly pull, he went into pre-order jawbreakers, and they pretty much said when as soon as he said I want to pre-order jawbreakers, they banned him for life for doing that, for saying that because of how yeah, they said the that shop- they no longer wanted his business. Right. Yeah. And it come to find out a month or two this was maybe about a few weeks ago, come to find out that shop is no longer in business. They closed down. Yeah. They don't have any more business. They can't sell anything out because I guess word got out, why should we go there? They're going to, you know, if I put in an order for this particular not just jawbreakers, but if I put in a, a an order for an independent comic that might be in previews, they're not going to they're going to kick me out. Yeah. So. Well, it was bad for it's, it's it's a bad look for even if you're for any kind of business owner. It goes it goes right back to the the whole the guys not baking a cake for the gay wedding thing, like you know, honestly, like you know, ever which way you side with that, denying customers. Uh, is not good for your business, <laughs> you know. <Right. laughs> Basically, either you're a capitalist through and through, or you're not. And um, if they want to stick to their beliefs, and they don't want to sell a book by someone who they accuse of being a racist, uh, you know, and a lot of people think that he's not, and they're going to ban people that way. Well, that's not a good way to do business. And yeah, you'll you'll go out of business. That's what happens. You lose money. Um, the fact that you, but have, I think this whole. Well, what a, what a, the whole point I was getting to with all of this, with Comicsgate and the publishing end of Marvel um, being under uh, uh, with Disney, I've heard that they're not happy and that they're thinking about two things. They're thinking about either dismantling the publishing arm or they're going to raise prices until basically they price the customers out and then they're going to uh, just go ahead and get rid of it all together, um, which would mean the end of Marvel Comics <clears throat> as we know it. So I don't know how I true think that's those rumors we, are. If not me, uh, me saying it on a solo episode or both of us together saying that if – I think this was again a couple of months ago when everything was kind of going down. That if, like you said, if they Disney decides, you know, they they one of three things are going to happen. They're going to clean house and restock and like okay, we can't have what's going on now. Well, yes, we got to have diversity, but not this way. It's alienating fans, it's alienating X, Y, and Z, or we and we could have people come back, but we have to have policies in play that will benefit 
the fans in a way. Right. And or yeah. two, they're going to do as you said, they're gonna, you know, either say, you know what, Marvel DC one, we're gonna keep making movies, but comic wise, no. Well, we're done. We're done. We're we we're, we're we're sick and tired of y'all shit. And not in those words, but that's what in essence is going to happen because we're not making money off of your end of things. We're making money off of the movies, not your the books, because of what you're doing. Now, yeah, kind of. I, I didn't want to bring it up, but because we're talking on this end, what happened recently uh, to kind of commend? Oh, I won't say commend, but to kind of um, bring out the point of what we're trying to say is that the creators of Guild Wars 2, there were two developers who worked for the same company that were putting together Guild Wars 2. They came out to kind of say, this is what we're doing about, you know, putting together this game, so forth and so on. And a Guild Wars streamer, from what I uh, saw, uh, said, in my opinion... This is what I changed. You know, it's good, but in my opinion, this is what I I change, and this is you know X, Y, and Z. And right. that particular developer uh, insulted this Twitch streamer and said this. In essence, made the comment in regards to yeah, this is what happens when somebody mansplains. And there was another. Uh, developer for it that kind of backed her up and the folks who make or I should say put out Guild Wars and will be putting out Guild Wars 2 pretty much said guess what you and you you're fired bye bye yeah you're you're bye-bye. you're done bye bye and they they issued the comment to the public saying that's not how we as a company feel. We are yeah. a fan-oriented company. We want to yeah. hear input uh, despite... In essence, in a way they were saying, despite our beliefs here, we want to hear input from our fans in reference to how to make our product better. We don't want yeah. to insult our fans. And oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's why we kind of fired like, these two people. Let's, let's go back all the way to Business Ethics 101. Why are you in business to begin with? Are you in business to push an agenda, or are you in business to make money? I'm going will- to say I'm willing to bet most people are in business to make money. They've got a product or a service that people love and support, and they want to further that by selling more of the product that people love and support. So why... I don't understand. This is what I didn't understand about Marvel was why were the the head honchos at Marvel letting these people dictate how the Marvel universe and how comic books were being portrayed for so long while the numbers just plummeted? What? How were they justifying this? Like letting the the artists and the creators go on social media and berate fans. If it was my company, if if I was the head of Marvel at the time, and I saw anyone in my employ 
going on Twitter or going on Facebook and calling people dumb, ignorant racists, they'd be fired so fast you wouldn't even see their fucking the smoke trail. They'd be out the door. I'd have my foot up their ass, and I'd have somebody else doing their job. I don't care who they were. I don't care if they'd been with the company for thirty years. I wouldn't let anybody talk to to the people who like are is the life support of the business, which is the fans. You know the people who are buying the shit. I wouldn't let any talent talk to them like that at the all. Thing is, as um. I keep forgetting what the, her channel's called, but she's the one I get some of the information, uh, some of the movie news and the movie numbers, and uh, what she she kind of explained in regards to uh, when the news was dropping about Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, I'm not going to go into any Star Wars news. I'm just using it as a reference point. That one of the things she said. Uh, her name, the person that runs the channel, is her name is Grace. Uh, she said the. Uh, Back, the older fans in regards to Star Wars, they see the movie 15, 20 times. Yes, she, yes right. she's exaggerating. They buy the merch. They go to the shows. They they buy the you know the toys, the music, the, the comics, the, the whole merch yard, uh, nine yards, and they see the movie 15 times. The people that Star Wars, in essence, all, you could pretty much adjust it to Marvel Comics as well, that... Whereas uh, a moviegoer would see something like Star Wars fifteen times, our, our generation, our our within you, I know you're younger than I am, but where we would see a movie ten, fifteen times per se, the people nowadays that they're addressing to it in reference to Marvel comics, Star Wars, and so forth and so on, they're gearing it to the person that's only going to see it once. That's it. Right. Then those people that are only going to see it once are not going to buy the comics. They're not going to buy the toys. They're not going to buy the, the lunch boxes. They're not going to buy, you know, the the Star Wars the T-shirt. They're not going to buy Star Wars, the, you know, the comic book. Yes, I'm trying to do a Spaceballs thing, but you know, <laughs> they're not going to. Star Wars the mix of cereal. Star Wars the flamethrower. Thrower. <laughs> But that that's not, not what they're saying. Where our generation is like, Star Wars, the flamethrower, I got to pick up three. Uh, where, yeah. where our gen, what she was saying is like, where we would well, buy... Well, you're saying that it's an antiquated business model. And I understand no, that. No, it's not an antiquated business model. Uh, the, the business model that they're trying to adjust to is not a good business model because where it what what they should be trying to do is get people to buy two aspects of that uh, that toy that action figure one to keep on the shelf and one to open up and play with uh, and you know to get the merch to buy the merch as well to get them the fans fully immersed in in Oh, you put out an Avengers the movie. You you want them to buy the comic. You want them to buy the toys. You want them to buy the the, the soundtrack. You want them to buy you know to be fully immersed into the surrounding universe that is that movie. The fan a lot of the fans aren't doing that, and yet they should. One part of the reason is if they watch Thor, they're expecting a Chris Hemsworth type person playing Thor, not a woman. Exactly. 
And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying if you're putting out X, why should mimic X in regards to it? It's back when if it's, a, if it's a woman in the in the in the movies, then it should be a woman in the comics. If it's a woman in the comics, you know, vice versa. You know, you can't have one and have the other. people have literally said to me that they're confused. That they literally said, I went and saw you know Avengers and I took my son to get some comic books and I couldn't figure out who the Avengers were. Right. Because there was a book with people they didn't recognize on it. Right. So like they need they need to streamline their efforts. They need to have everything in sync. They need to have it like if if what happens on screen needs to be happening in the books or they need to have if the storylines are separate, they need to you need to be able like I don't know if you remember this, but you used to be able to pick up at any point in a story and get caught up. Right, within three or four issues. Yeah, you you can literally... Issue uh, 180, and it was the middle of the... It could be the middle of the story. You could pick up two issues prior, and you could go on from there. Yeah, and you're all caught up. No, No harm, no foul. Now... I have no idea about some of the stories. It's like they're completely out of left field. And, like, you know, they expect you to know all this stuff and say, oh. (laughs) So. And the thing is, here's the thing. Back uh, for the folks at home listening, uh, a lot of you don't realize (laughs) this. For those playing the home game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, For those playing the home game, uh, way back when the original. Spider-Man movies. I'm talking the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies came out. At that particular time, in the Spider-Man Ultimate Universe, yes, uh, there was a Spider-Man Ultimate Universe at that time. They switched from, I believe, I could be wrong, they switched from, I know they switched out Peter Parker to Miles Moranis, I think it was. Miles Morales. Miles Morales. I I was close. um, But they switched back to Peter Parker because they were afraid if the fans that went to see Spider-Man went out and picked up Spider-Man, the comic books, and saw Miles in it instead of Peter, they'd get confused and not buy the comics. So they brought uh, Peter Parker back. Nowadays, it's, you know, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Well, it's especially especially confusing when you do something with a property like Avengers that's, like, I I would dare say that most people understand who Spider-Man is and what his origin is and who his villains are. Like, even if you're not into comic books, you you get who Spider-Man is. But like, say like a book like Avengers or a really hard sell like like Guardians of the Galaxy. Holy shit! <laughs> like that has to be on point with like what they're doing in the books and on the movies because you know those characters like nobody knew them before, but now they've become actually cherished characters. Everybody loves Groot and Rocket. Come on, man! But like Groot and Rocket aren't in the aren't even in the book anymore. Right? You know. So like it's it's 
it's confusing to people who are coming or trying to come in on it. Basically, they're shutting out a potential fan base by not streamlining or allowing uh, themselves to streamline. I mean, there should almost be like a like a, 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 a an entry level kit. You know what I mean? That they can offer up to fans who are coming from the movies to the comics if they want to save that. I mean, they might not even want to save it at this point. They might not even care. But like you said, if if they're saying that they want to sell everything as a package to make the most amount of money possible, you're, you're going to want to onboard people as quickly and efficiently as you can. You know, you're going to want to get people in the door and be like, okay, here's all the stuff you need to know about X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, read this, go with this, and you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Something, something to get people like quickly acclimated to like what they're looking at and what they're reading and why it's different. You know what I mean? But they're not doing that, right? At all. You know, they're they're leaving people to fucking figure it out on their own. And you know, people have a short attention span these days, like of about two fucking seconds of trying to put up with shit like that, and then they don't care. They're like. Fucking, I'll just watch the movies. I can care less. Give a shit about the fucking books, right? And so that's why the, that's why the book numbers have been declining uh, for like the last two, three years. Um, diversity in comics for a while, and I don't know if he's done it recently. Like every month, he would go on and read the numbers, and for comic books, they were embarrassingly low, like right. lower than you would expect. Like scary low. Like I don't know how Marvel makes any money. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like, and yet you have him making three hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars on a virtually independent book. Like right. that's unheard and of. That to me, that is something that when it comes to Matt's four state October October four state show. If he has any artists um, there, uh, I won't bring up you know Ethan's name. I won't bring diversity into, it, but I I could bring it up without actually causing you know too well, much. Well, you can say where where do you weigh in on on the comics gate issue? Not so much the comics gate is like. If they've done a lot of independent stuff, uh, yeah. where with the success of uh, a lot of independent creators now making over $300,000 through Indiegogo, how do you weigh in on that versus being a part of a major brand like Dark Horse or Marvel or DC? You I know, mean, honestly... Versus- it, honestly, it might behoove the industry for mainstream comics to die out because like okay well what if like creators can get funded you know outside of the normal uh realm of 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 books and like you see here with diversity in comics because if you scroll down to the bottom of the page you'll see some other comic books that have been funded through um through the same way there's something called red rooster golden age um, that's uh, $64,000, uh, 433% funded. Um, you know, there's a number of them right here that people have done on their own and are being funded. So, I don't I don't know, like, 
okay, Iron Sights. That's a, I think that's another that's another uh, diversity in comics title. And I think, I I think the Iron Sights. I think again, it's one of the things that I've said in the past. One, you know, we brought this topic up before, either again myself or together as host co-host. It, it's that if let's say Marvel goes. Disney says, you know what? We're killing Marvel. Marvel's going away the dodo. We're killing it. Uh, Let's say that happens. They go under. That means you have uh, Valiant coming up. You're going to see more attention brought to Valiant and Dark Horse because they were kind of the underdogs and DC's going to become a little bit more of the mainstay because they were the direct competition against Marvel. Uh, but all in all, if people get fed up with Valiant, because they're they're surprisingly when people said Valiant's making a comeback, I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but if people get fed up with uh, Valiant and DC, uh, Image, and uh, Dark Horse, they're gonna the the people that are going to win that. You're going to have the hobbyist looking someplace else and someplace new. And the people that are going to win the most are the independent creators. Because they're going to have the original stuff. They're going to have the unique stuff. And you're you're going to get to see the stuff that's going to be for everybody. Meaning where you saw a lot of the kiddie stuff where a lot of people saw and still kind of see uh, DC and Marvel as the kitty books, you're going to yeah. see a lot of things coming out for adults. I'm not talking rated X type stuff. I'm talking uh, rated R type of things. The harder, more meteor stuff, uh, meteor stuff like uh, more Walking Dead-esque type things or, or Why the Last Man or a Transmet or a Sandman. Again, you're going to see those things come to the forefront then than they were in the past. If you could understand. Still there? Yeah. So... What are your thoughts in regards to that? The in, like the more of an adult esque or more media meaty comic coming out instead of the the kitty aspect of moral. Well, no, that's that, that's what I was trying to say. Like, I just think it's. I think people like the people that are reading the books in the first place are people like you and me. Like, I don't think there's any kids reading that much anymore. There are kids reading comic books, but it's it's not like it was it's not much of a kid medium anymore it's like baseball cards baseball cards like it stopped being a kid medium in the mid 90s because they got priced out like you know kids nowadays can't afford to buy baseball cards i mean the ones that do like you know their parents got money and like they're they're pretty much just open them like you know for 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 profit like everybody else comic books are pretty much the same way there's no money in them like you know other than if if you're getting the special covers and like you know the hot comics and selling them for you know a maximum price like at you know almost as soon as you're buying them but there's very little people like reading them you know and uh, as far as like you know i say the 14 and under crowd you're gonna want to 
You're going to want to, like, you know, kowtow to people that are, like, you know, 18 and up. You're going to, like, talk to people that are, like, well, I'd say 15. 15 and up are the ones that are probably still actually reading superhero books and, like, trying to get into more indie stuff, you know, in the horror titles and, like, um, the more edgier stuff, the drama stuff and, like, you know, the, the, those stories. I, like, I don't, because I don't think Marvel would make a mistake if they tried to market towards kids nowadays, because kids don't want to read that stuff. Like, if if my child is an indicator of what kids are into, they're into video games. If you really want to push the characters, like put put out more video games, put out online content, put out sandbox titles like you know Fortnite that kids could play, like maybe individual characters and have super character superhero fights or something like that. If they had a Fortnite. That put superheroes against superheroes, it'd be over. <laughs> yeah, it, that, I'm that telling has you right now. The aspect of the individual comic book, the i.e., gotta buy that 181 or that one issue 800 or that issue of X, Y, and Z. Yes, there, there are going to be there's going to be a market for that shit, especially after the uh, Batman marries Catwoman aspect of things. Um, but yeah, I think the the bulk of everything is going to go towards the graphic novel. Uh, yeah, i.e. the uh, for the folks out there playing at home, uh, you have individual issues that are about twenty to twenty-five pages that are that fans like to collect. But I want to say the bulk, the average reader of comics doesn't mind getting the graphic novel, which is where if something is issue a uh, six issue run or an eight issue run, they're just going to put it in a book thicker format for instead of you paying twenty five thirty uh uh thirty forty dollars they're going to put it in a book and sell it to you for twenty five twenty twenty five dollars yeah. so and that might be the way to go. And especially if well, they do what yeah. you say, Big Candy, is like, hey, let's make a, uh, a GTA, I'm just using it as an example, a Fortnite-type game or GTA-type style game, meaning the open-world aspect of a game. There could be a, a little thing like, Oh, buy the essential Daredevil graphic novel, or the essential Fantastic Four gra- graphic novel at your local bookstore or comic book shop. You know that sort of thing. That way, instead of spending ten, fifteen dollars, or a hundred dollars a week for five comics, uh, yes, I'm grossly yeah. over exaggerating. They could buy one book for twenty bucks and still get kind of caught up. Well- you could you could get these kids into the characters by simply doing uh, something like a Fortnite. So what are what are yeah, some get them of the in main with Fortnite and get them reading comics? Well, listen, listen, listen. What is one of the main aspects of Fortnite? Is that you buy outfits and emotes and weaponry, right? So you could go you could get a basic character when you when you start right and and you'd spend your v bucks or whatever whatever the currency would be and you could buy like thor but then you could buy like jane foster thor well what's the story behind her i don't know add a little blurb on the thing like jane foster thor blah 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 blah. or you could buy like um classic thor what's the story behind him you could buy beta ray bill 
right? All of them would be upgrades to the same character with different hammers and different weaponry. But guess what? You're getting a backstory too. Eventually, that kid may or may not be like, hey, listen, this Thor character is pretty cool. Maybe I should go buy some of the comic books and kind of read about what he does. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they would take ownership in leveling up the characters, therefore take ownership in maybe, like, reading about their history. Because kids are like that. Like, my son, like, when he gets into something, he gets into it. And he wants to have it, he wants to know every aspect of it backwards and forwards. Like, to the point, like, he gets into the lore like of a story you know what i mean and then he does want to buy stuff like little plushy dolls and action figures and like like right now he's very into the incredibles and he's never even seen the incredibles but whoever's marketing the incredibles to kids right now is doing a hell of a good job <laughs> right and the thing is you have i'm not i'm not knocking the person at all mm-hmm. knocking the person at all you have folks like comic storian that kind of cater to folks like us where yeah. they, he does a click note he it's not a uh, an animated comic but he kind of cliff notes the runs a little bit yeah. he's not going to read the entire comic but he's going to give you the high points of each so you know what's going on he reads it in essence it's a cliff notes version of that particular comic and it's yeah. kind of how I got to know the final storyline of Deadpool uh, up to like issue 300 and it, it was a way for me to catch up with the story and know what's going on without actually going out and spending 20 bucks on comics and yeah it, it's one way I don't know. It, it's, it's so hard to market to kids nowadays because they're not interested in the conventional stuff they're just they're not playing with toys like kids are on their cell phones like so whatever you market to them it has to be like instantaneous and it ha- and you can and don't rely on it being there for like a long time it their 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 interests are fleeting so like you know stuff like an app like something on like if marvel was smart they would do like hero masks on snapchat or instagram for like a week like when avengers come out like i don't know they should have had something on instagram where you could change your face to like thanos and or like to the hulk or something and like you know take pictures of yourself acting like the hulk you know that's that's the kind of stuff that's gonna bring fans in that's gonna have them interacting at all age levels rather than trying to market traditional stuff like toys and posters and stuff like that like yeah people are going to buy that stuff but they're going to buy it in limited limited quantities because people just aren't into that stuff anymore money money's tight all over and you know people aren't trying to like spend like ten dollars on like a poster like you know twenty dollars on an action figure when they could like be getting something on their phone that's going to keep them entertained or something. You know what I'm saying? Right. Especially when that's what you kind of see now. I think we had this conversation way back in the electric eye days in, in a way in regards to toys where you have a bunch of uh, toys out that you have like five different variants for a particular uh, action figure that barely moves in to begin with. That yeah, most kids like Caleb uh, don't care about the toy because it's not going to hold their attention past nope. thirty past opening it up. Where when we were kids, 
the toys had like 15 points of articulation, uh, or at least you can move the arms up and down. They had a couple weapons, and they had kung fu grip and all that fun jazz, and you were you were, you were able to play with them. Now it's like I want to say. Uh, I want to say at least kids like Caleb are smarter. Why do I want to pick up a action figure that I can't really play with when I could, when I have this uh, Nintendo Switch or this uh, a 3DS or my tablet and actually do more with that than this yeah. toy? Well, literally, he makes his own storylines up. He can go on a, on a game like Roblox. I don't know if how familiar you are with what Roblox is or what it does, but I mean it, it's almost like a sandbox in and of its own. Like you have you, your character is basically you. You create it, you give it a name, and it walks around in this world playing little games. Or like one is where he like makes a pizza shop. And he has to run the pizza shop, and like he has to make the pizzas and deliver them to people's houses and serve people at the counter and stuff. I mean, it's all right there. He doesn't have to have those toys. Now they do make Roblox toys, but they're for collectors, right? Like, but you know, <clears throat> but the thing is, he doesn't have to have those toys. He he can play with the tablet. You know, they just it's like it's like what happened with the Star Wars stuff, and, and I know we talked about this before, but like the sharp decline in toy sales. Um, for entertainment media, like as far as movies and summer blockbusters, it's been in the toilet for a while, and it's it's definitely going in the toilet with movies like Last Jedi because I, you didn't see any of that merch leave the shelf. Nobody was buying it. No wanted it. The movie was bad, and then the toy line was terrible too. Like the they've got really don't wanna, the collectors don't want to spend the thirty forty dollars. Uh, on three toys where because of, of a bad movie and like why do I want these are crappy looking toys why do I want to yeah. spend 30 bucks for a top of the line uh, stuff for crap or stuff loved, that was that's based loved, on a crappy movie and they love to insult the fans because here, here, here's what they do they bring out another Star Wars movie, and guess what they do? They parade out yet another a version of the Millennium Falcon, and they want to charge $300 for it. But guys, you know what? You've already had like 15 Millennium Falcons come out, okay? There's, they, they, they've been coming out since 1977. Like, honestly, stop. You know? It's like, how many versions of this toy are you going to have? Like, everybody has one. Stop. Like if you made a quality freaking movie, maybe have some of the newer the newer vehicles come out. Have them be premium. Have them be like you know have metal like metal toys, metal models. Like have like those lightsabers like you see what people make on on um, on uh, YouTube that are actually like almost functioning lightsabers and stuff. Like kind of was something different. Like they just every time a damn uh, new Star Wars movie comes out, they just shovel out the same old shit. It's like, oh, here's a new line of plastic fucking swords. Same shit they've been coming out for fucking years. It's like, everybody already has one, but here's some more. And what do you see? You go to the store. Fucking 500 plastic swords in the fucking clearance aisle for five bucks a piece because guess what? Nobody wants them. Right. It's like, guys, like, knock it the fuck off. Like, like, think of something new. Think of something different. Market yourselves differently. Like, we got it. We understand. Like, we get it. And if, like, <laughs> take take me for example. Uh, granted, my t- the fans 
if they're true fans, I'm not saying everybody has to be like this. A a fan that's been with the fandom for a while. Let me say it like that. The fan that particular fans' tastes are going to change. This is I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, Big Candy. I'm agreeing with you. They're not by that that lightsaber for the umpteenth time. Why? Exactly. They're, they're their tastes have changed. They want something yeah. better. Uh, meaning, yep. went back 18 years ago uh, after I, uh, I built up my collection, I, and I was still kind of building it. My tastes changed. I was going, instead of yep. going, for, yes, I do still buy the occasional comic when I have the funds for it, but my tastes have, went from Buying comics to getting original sketches to get and also getting original artwork. Getting, uh, uh, I think it's at uh, um, Dark Force, not Dark Forces, um, Dynamic Forces stuff, posters and uh, oh. yeah. the that sort of thing. The that that lithographs and uh, uh, limited stuff at shows that the the prints that the artists put out for shows. That's where my tastes have gone to. Not because these things are technically cheaper. Trust me, page art ain't fucking cheap. But, my tastes have changed over the years. As a fan, as a collector. Uh, A long-time Star Wars or Star Trek fan, their tastes may have changed. And putting out the same old bullshit is not going to sell. You have to change. You have to see where... uh, Yes, it's going to appeal to the new fans, but when the new fans are not like the old fans, you have to kind of find a way to make the the money back somehow. Well, yeah, and And, and the buying habits... It's the buying habits that have really changed, too. Like, okay... You know that back in the day, if you wanted uh, Star Wars action figures, you had to go to Walmart or Target or like a retail store. Like you know, I, even like I remember seeing them in like Dart Drug and places like that when they used to be around here, um, or Hex or you know places like that. Because you know you're not there wasn't a Toys R Us around here for a long time. Well, now there's no Toys R Us at all, and so where are people buying their stuff? Well, guess what? There's a thing called Amazon. And you don't have to go to the store and buy action figures. Guess what? You can buy an entire case online. You know? Like, if you were going to spend the money anyway, why not just get the damn case? (laughs) You know? But you can literally go on Amazon and put... Uh, like, like, take Matchbox for for example. You can go on Amazon. You can go new case of I think there's 52 pieces. Uh, Matchbox cars. You can literally buy a 52 k a 52 piece case of Matchbox cars for right around 68 dollars. Right. Why go to the store and and thumb through these things and see like you know where they've bent the cards up trying to shove them on the shelf. Uh, out of the package, you know, and stuff where somebody's been fingering them trying to find the rare ones, you know, get a brand new case all to your own. The same thing. You you see the same thing with, uh, like, Magic the Gathering. Uh, I have, like, two or three shops, uh, at least one shop that I I know of offhand that when there's a new uh, set coming out, oh, 
time to pre-order. This set's coming out. Time to pre-order. Do you want a box? Do you want packs? Do you want a box? Do you want a case? This is the price for, you know, we're selling, we're, we're taking pre-orders. Do you want a box or do you want a case? Here's the, the price for the box. Here's the price for the case. We're, if you want, we could ship out. Just give it, if you send us, you know, it might be a little bit extra for to ship it out. Whereas, let's say, uh, a box of Magic the Gathering cards, a booster box, is 60 bucks. Oh, um, $65, you get a box shipped to your house, PayPal. Oh, you want a case? Yeah. Uh, as soon as we get the case in, uh, maybe, let's, um, yeah, I'm overdoing it. Uh, 270 shipped to your house. So. Maybe three hundred. Yeah. We got to make some money somehow. <laughs> but that's that's the buying habits of your, of, your, of your consumers now, right? You can do it yourself. You can just get whatever you need on your own. You don't have to search stuff. Back in the day, you remember what it was like. You had to you had to track down things the things that you wanted because you didn't have the internet. And that's what had, that's what these had, retailers you had to roll the dice and visit a flea market. Oh yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like the the retailers nowadays, they don't. It's they're they're operating on this antiquated model that people need to come to their stores to buy stuff, and they just don't. Like right. you, if you really want to waste gas and run around town all day, you can. You can go to different places and be disappointed because they're not going to have what you want anyway. Or you can like take five minutes, go online, order what you want, and it'll be your house two days. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like that's that's honestly the way things are going, and they need to realize that because that's where they're losing a lot of fandom too, is because they expect people to go to the store, they expect people to like you know they don't understand that people want instant gratification for stuff. They don't understand that like you know like like I don't want to go to Walmart to look for toys or, or for whatever. I want to I want shop for it online. You know, that's most people nowadays. And that's the way it's going to go continuously until the end of time. Like, eventually, I'm telling you right now, the department store as we know it is going to be gone in five to ten years. Yeah, that, All those that's why you see a whole mess of stores like Macy's, Bonton. Uh, yeah. The storefronts are going out of business. Uh, but They're gone. They're going. They're shifting the majority of their business to uh, internet. The internet retail because yeah. it's cheaper. And say, like, well, I like going and trying on clothes. Yeah, you have to do that anymore. Literally, you can order stuff, and if it's the wrong size, you can ship it back, and they'll they'll ship you the right stuff. Right. It's not. It's it's and it's not even a painful process. They even give you all the stuff to ship it back with. Like honestly, it's it's so much easier just to order clothes online and like buy stuff online because you don't stand there with a bunch of stinky people you don't want to be around. But besides the point, what what all this is doing and what what I'm saying is they need to figure out how to market this culture properly. It's almost like they don't know who their target audience is. If you're trying to market to kids, you're not going to get their attention with toys and puzzles and you know and stuff like that. You're going to get their attention with video games, Instagram apps, uh, you know, like things that they can like do on Instagram, apps on their phone, um, like versions of games that are officially licensed, like you know, like take an old game and put put your branded stuff over top of it, like Lego Star Wars or Lego Marvel stuff like that. That's what kids pay attention to nowadays. 
You know, they're not paying attention to all this other horse shit. Like, you know, the, that's not what they want. Now, and the adults is, is a completely different story. The adults that want the that want the stuff, like we just said, they have access to the computers and they can get it any anywhere, anyhow. It's up to the people supplying it to add incentives. In other words, like, don't put, you know, 24 pieces in, in, a, in a case anymore. Put, like, 12, and if you order a certain amount or something, or if you order like this, you get you get a, a rare one. You know what I'm saying? Um, put 30 pieces in the collection. Make people buy three cases, and they get, and they get like, a, a special mail-in character or something like that. Or they get, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, add incentives for buying more stuff. That's how you're going to get... That's how you're going to sell things because people love rare. People love being able to have something other people don't. Like, look at the subscription boxes. Subscription yeah. boxes, like, they went through the roof in the last five years because it's exclusive merchandise that nobody else has. So, like, you know, you're getting things, you're getting cool items that, like, you can't buy in a store. Well, that's what people want. So, like, Say like okay, let's just say Marvel um, Infinity War, Avengers Infinity War Part Two, supposed to come out next year. You know what Marvel could do from now until the movie comes out, and even after if they wanted to, Marvel Avengers Infinity War Two uh, uh, subscription box. It's a twelve month subscription, thirty dollars a month. Each month is a different character. Would you buy that if you had the money? Yeah. Yeah, because guess what? It it could be different stuff. It could be like like this month. Could be Captain America. You get like a Captain America mug. You get a Captain America shirt. You get a Captain America uh, iPhone cover, uh, ice cube tray. You know something weird. Like next month, Black Panther, Black Panther shirt, Black Panther uh, coffee tumbler. Uh, you know, like five items. You know what I'm saying? And each month would be a different character themed all the way up until the movie comes out. Oh my God! People would throw money at you for shit like that. And the thing is, that's if the you get, mark. Again, I'm going to use them as an example. Someone like a Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight don't want an unboxing. Like, hey, Boogie, here's a box for like free. You do an <laughs> unboxing, you get. He gets like, uh, he has like what a million plus uh, subscribers, and people yeah. are going to go batshit. You be like, like a, a Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight. <laughs> or, or Markiplier or whomever to do an, uh, or, and a co- comics uh, story in. You do something like that, they unbox it, they show everybody. People, and they're going to get even more people buying it because, hey, this yep. particular YouTuber unboxed it, therefore, guess what? They're going to get uh, more people, do- probably more people going to see the movie or ordering the box. One of the two. Or even if the movie sucks, guess what? If you do a subscription box or something like that, something that's exclusive like that, man, you've already sold like so, like merchandise for the movie for twelve months before it even came out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's the smart way to do business. Like they need to start thinking outside the box with this shit. They need to store well, inside the box to be honest, but they need to start thinking about how to market to people like you and me more effectively. Like. Ways that like 
the traditional ways just don't work anymore. They're going to have to figure out something, or else they are going to go the way of the dodo. And the public, like, that's when the publishing, like, division of Marvel does go down the shitter. And that's when, like, you know, there stops being comic books about. And because Disney, Disney ain't going to fuck around. Disney took, they took possession of these properties because they saw potential to make money. You know, like they're buying Fox. That means Disney is going to have the Simpsons. Do you think for a fucking second that the Simpsons aren't going to be a major role at Disney World and Disneyland from here on out? Like Matt Groening just got paid. Let's put it that way. Like they're going to have Simpsons land and I can't wait to go. I'm (laughs) serious. Like they're going to have Simpsons land somewhere, and I can't wait to freaking go because it's going to be freaking amazing. Even though that show is how old now? It's been out since like you and I were like kids, like right. 1989 or something crazy, like, something and like that. They're, they've been around like 30 years, close to and, it, and people and people are still watching it and know exactly what it is. Right, like Bart Bart Simpson is iconic. Do you think that Disney is not going to be selling like a million Bart Simpson shirts from now on? Are you right. kidding me? They're going to make so much freaking money like just because it's a Disney brand. I mean that's that's the insane thing. Like they need they like they really need to capitalize on stuff like that. <laughs> and Disney but, knows how to capitalize. It's just that it's uh, kind of Compare. I know it's a piss poor comparison. They have to find the math in reference to how to get the the younger generation money from them instead of the money from the older generation like you and I, where it's easier for them to go. Oh, we have this exclusive. Oh, shut up and take my money. And where yeah. the younger generation doesn't have that attitude, they have to figure out that math in regards to. Right. And just like right. I have to figure out the math and getting more listeners, it's there is a math um, equation to it, and it's just a matter of figuring shit out. Yeah, it's like is it something that's like easy, or do you need to literally like like put like hundred dollar bills hanging out of your zipper like, right. to get people to like you know to, to come to you? It, it, you know what I mean? It's. And I don't understand it either because, like, getting yourself out there in in the world, like, you got to understand it's not just you. There's, like, 500 500 other people doing exactly what you do, uh, either better or worse, but they're still doing exactly what you do. How do you single yourself out and stand above those people? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just like I was was explaining to Crystal one night. Like, when LeBron James was deciding before he went to the Lakers – when he wanted to decide what team he wanted to go to, he went to his decision cave, which was some like resort villa somewhere and somewhere tropical. I can't even remember where, but he was paying $75,000 a night to stay at this place. And he's, t- I think he stayed there for two weeks. I could be wrong, but you understand what kind of money that is, right? That's more than you and I make in like two years. Right. Every night. So, he, that, like I was explaining to her, like your listeners are out there, that money is out there too. And people are dying to spend it. You just got to figure out how to, how to get them to spend it on you. You know, right. that's the game. So, 
like you know your listeners are out there and they want to spend that money on you and they want to they want to come to you but they haven't heard you yet you just got to get them to figure you got to figure out how to get them to, to come to you and, and and listen to you and not the other guy right or listen to the other guy and you at the same time Right, it, and a lot of people have stated, at least a lot of uh, reports have stated that more and more people are, are listening to podcasts, they're watching uh, YouTube, and they're they're moving towards us, and they're moving towards YouTube, and that sort of thing. Again, it's one of those things that you have to uh, get out there and pretty much find a way of going, me, 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 choose me, choose me, choose me, come here, me, 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 come here, me, 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 and you pretty much have to go, listen to me, I'm not going to waste your time. (laughs) I'm going to entertain you for two, two or three hours, you know? And it, it's not that easy, it, there is math to it, but it's just a matter of figuring shit out. Yeah. It's it, it's one of the reasons why I think you got a kick out of the idea of me putting up that little sign saying, uh, we're the most hated podcast in our area. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it Honestly, it did bring people in and made people look, and it made a few people stop and ask. And that's the kind of thing that yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I think we pretty much beat this dead horse to death a little bit. Um, do you want to call it for the night? Yeah. So <laughs> we, we turned it. We turned it into glue. <laughs> See that nice green patch over there? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's where we beat the horse to death. <laughs> so. <laughs> so uh, so we're gonna call it there. Uh, I don't think you do. You have anything else? No. Okay. Uh, neither do I. Uh, again, happy third anniversary to us. Uh, yeah. We hope you enjoy this uh, uh, this episode. Stay tuned for me again to give you the standardized ending show stuff. So, and that being said, we are out. It's a long come off your podcast. You screaming up. Ah! The Long Code Mafia will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed going down memory lane this one final time in this bonus retrospective anniversary series that we did for this uh, month and change leading up to our anniversary. And also, if you were wondering if this was also a Skype call, yes, it was. me and B, B, as you can tell, me and Big Candy had a wonderful time talking and chit-chatting on the topics. If you want to uh, join in on the topics or if you want to weigh in, you're more than welcome to do so. Our email is always open. You could send an email our way by using the Addy Mafia at gmail.com uh, or leaving a comment on our uh, Facebook page, one of the posts there. Just let us know that you want to... Uh, talk about something and about the whatever we mentioned in the episode our facebook page is facebook.com slash the long coat mafia podcast all the links and uh email stuff is in the description down below uh so uh, as stated within the next day or two uh our anniversary episode will be up i'll try to uh have it en- edited and posted up by the 12th, if not right on midnight Eastern Standard Time, so stay tuned for that. Um, 
as stated earlier, our, our tip jar is still open if you want to do it. The GoFundMe link is in the description down below. If you want to send us a buck or two, we do have a couple of challenges uh, out there in regards to if we hit and or exceed certain goals. First challenge that we have yet to meet, and it's a long way to go. And the way things are looking, uh, we're not going to hit that anytime damn soon. Uh, if you want to prove me wrong, me and Sasha wrong, uh, hit up that t uh, tip jar and start hitting, uh, hitting everything, uh, sending us a couple of bucks and sharing out these posts or any posts in regards to our tip jar. So, um, and those challenges are if we hit or hit, I should say if we meet or hit, let me rephrase that. If we meet or exceed our $1,000 goal, I will at the, if not for the entire episode, the ending of the episode uh, where I say I'm a gamer and I'm wearing a bikini, I will reveal a bikini at some point during the show or at the end uh, if we hit $5,000 dollars or exceed five thousand dollars i'll do a tiktok uh dance in the bikini top uh for y'all i'll take photos this stuff will be posted up in instagram uh if ten thousand dollars is hit or exceeded a uh, a tattoo will be gotten uh, and yes i think sasha said she might be involved in this and the craziness but uh, it's mainly just me i promise you i'll do that but if you want me to see me do it and fulfill these promises and you're there like, hey, Godfather, you won't do this fucking shit. Uh, if you want to see it, you have to donate. If you don't have the funds, you have to share the stuff. So please do so. We have a lot going on. Plus, not to mention, we do have, uh, if you want, we do have a Patreon that uh, even though it's not listed a lot of perks, but we, they do we do have a lot of perks uh, for that $3 goal. Or I should say three dollar tier. Uh, you'll either prior to the video uh, clips or at the end of the clips, you'll be featured as people who supported the, this channel and this episode. Uh, you'll get uh, the full uh, episode, the raw episode early, earlier than YouTube. You'll get uh, uh, shout outs on the audio side. Not to mention, uh, you'll get, you know, conversation with at least me on the Patreon side, so forth and so on. There's a lot of stuff that we plan on giving to you for that low, low price of three dollars. Uh, I wish I could have done it lower, but when I tried to do it low, lower, Patreon was like, ah, no, uh, you can't do that. But so I felt all right, three dollars. And we also have our partner slash sponsor, which is W Energy. And if you want to support us that way and you got the funds to do so, head on over to W.GG. That's D-U-B-B-Y.GG. And check out, use the code LCM Podcast for 10% off your order. And doing so supports the channel. Uh, we will be getting our cup and our first tub Within the next, uh, I don't know, week or two. Who knows when that we'll, we'll ever be getting that out. And um, as always, our 
original host. You heard him here in this episode from three years ago. Big Candy has his own merch page. If you want to support at least, if not us, and you want to support him, head on over to his merch page and buy a shirt or something like that, whatever there's on it. Um, all the links will be in the description down below. And uh, if you visit us on like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, links will be there for you to use. Now, uh, last but not least, before I forget, if you don't have the funds and so forth and so on, we get you, we understand. Sharing our stuff does help, period. That helps subscribing to us on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify help. Subscribing to us on YouTube, that helps. Uh, Following us on platforms such as Threads, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all that helps us. And sharing our posts, interacting with us, thus all that helps boost us in the algorithm. So, all that helps us. Links are in the description. That's all I can say right now, other than wait until the main episode this week or the anniversary episode. And I am out of here. Stay tuned. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Long Coat Mafia podcast. The Internet's most hated and mafia-themed geek podcast.